Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, July 18th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I'm going to be focusing on one general topic, but some things that we've been covering pretty extensively over the last so many weeks to a month more, maybe longer than that if you look back on how long we've been generally covering this topic before the, the larger focus. Apologize for the camera. But I just felt that this is such, it's such a disconcerting discussion. And it's something that I've, I've mentioned many times. It's really, it's really difficult to continue to cover because of how obviously nefarious a part of this is. And how a lot of people are, you know, a lot of vulnerable people are being taken advantage of. But we're going to talk in particular today about something we touched on before that I coined the, ge- the gender dysphoria illusion. But I'm going to really go further on that today in regard to the, the contradiction that's there that really needs to be the only focus today you know, in the transgender conversation is the part we're going to start with, the, the gender dysphoria contradiction, and how vivid that is right on the surface of the conversation, which at the very least shows you that there's even a divide between the community and what the doctors are doing and what the medical establishment is doing and, and then being very weird and shady and quiet about it. And I'm not talking about some back, aim, back alley clinic. I'm talking about major hospitals. It's a really disconcerting discussion, but then we're going to talk about the only other part today that we're going to discuss is the idea of whether or not there are sexual predators or really just predators in general that are using this movement, this discussion, this political fervor to to hide their abuse, to avoid accountability, to avoid jail time. And that doesn't in any way mean that every person that is trans is part of that problem or that every that that's even necessarily mostly in this community. But we're going to go over the facts today and I'll show you what the facts show and you can decide for yourself. I've made my opinion clear before. The point here is whether or not there are predators, let's say, deciding to transition or even just dressing up like a woman or vice versa in order to be closer to the proclivity of their choice or however you want to frame it, whether we're talking about just women they want to abuse or children that they're seeking, you know, and I'm talking about predators, not trans people here. And even if that does overlap in the conversation and we really need the reason, I mean, the the point is yes, without question that's happening and we've proven this, but I want to make this very clear to people how aggressively obvious this is and why then it's being so quickly pushed under the rug. Actually some pretty big examples that we've already covered people that, The entire community and all the Western corporate media came out and said, no, it was a hoax. They're lying. It's all transphobia. Turns out the person is a pedophile and has gotten arrested for more of of, of the same thing since. And the entire Antifa came out and protested to defend this person. And that person called this a hoax. It wasn't. The person's in jail now. And the point is that the people that were abused, not only did they have to get abused, but then they got called bigots. After being abused, and we're talking about children in some cases here. One of the children that was abused in that circumstance was a young child, a young girl who got this person exposed themselves to this girl. That's what actually happened. And then when they went crying to people traumatized, they called them a bigot because, well, that's actually a woman and you're wrong. Now, how is that possible? Because just like any of these conversations, politics got involved, not just that we care about people, but somebody who doesn't really care about even the trans movement decided to use that for their own ends or and an, it's not maybe not one person but that's what's happening here and it's really very uncomfortable but we're going to start today on the gender dysphoria part of it but i wanted to say one more thing too is that 
you know how I do this show and how I work. I think it's I, I, I go after what I think is important. And usually it's the, the topics that are uncomfortable, the ones that most people seem to be shying away from. And not just because that's what's happening, but because within that, I notice a truth that is being lost because of that concern, fear to be called out, to be canceled, to lose your YouTube channel. The things that are really important, which is why we tend to be ahead of most of these stories. COVID-19, Ukraine, East Palestine. Now, if I really, if I only cared about getting more clicks and shares and growing and making more money, which I care about all those things for because it'll make this platform get larger and we can do more good with that. But if that's all I cared about, well, I would be doing what a lot of other people are doing. And I'm not even begrudging that because it's important still, which is to just harp on the things that we've been getting right. Because there is a, just, I mean, I have an entire show plus off to the side right now that I pulled off just to focus on this with COVID-19 follow-ups of, of Ukraine. Of I mean, it just it's never ends. Half of that probably won't get covered by me because we just move on to the next day. But if that's all I, that's all I would have to do right now, just nailing down the masks are not working and these things are hurting people in Ukraine or Nazis, just over and over. Every day there are new points to do that. And I could, and I would nail that to the ground because I've been doing that for the last three years, but I'm choosing to step into something new, or I have been with this, because I see this as one of the most alarming things I've ever seen in my life. And in the real, in real time, we have children being abused, being mutilated, being changed forever that they, in some cases, regret forever. So I find that to be the most important thing. And the only reason I'm saying all this is because I know there are even people in this community that maybe disagree or maybe feel like I'm missing the forest for the trees or just harping on this one topic. But don't forget, when COVID started, the illusion, after the first month, there are people in this very community with good intentions who were going, maybe you should talk about something else. It's been a month long. It's all, all we talk about is COVID-19. And look how that turned out. So just think about that, guys. And then again, in, in a way promoting T-Lab. This is why this platform is valuable because we will always be doing that. We will be or try to be at our best effort, the trailblazers, finding the things that are important and striking that path. And half the time, a lot of the larger things swing in from behind and get the hyper mainstream focused discussion six months down the line. And, you know, we are already down to two more stories. You know, that's how this works. That's all I care about. So let's start right into the conversation with what we just talked about, just finished up with, and I think this was the 15th. Oh, technically one before the last show. Wall Street Journal confirms youth gender transition is pushed without evidence. It's pretty simple, right? And you'd think that this would be something enough in an honest conversation to end the conversation, at least be like, whoa, okay. <laughs> if that, I mean, that's exactly the opposite of what we're being told by most of the prominent activists in this field. That it's the opposite. And I'm going to show you an exact example I've been making about the gender dysphoria. It's causing infertility. They'll admit that. But the community will say otherwise. In real time, that's not true. You, everything's reversible. You can come right back because that's the community's mantra. The reality, this is being pushed without evidence. There is no long-term studies to show you whether or not this is doing any number of other things that we don't know about. The immediate short-term evidence we already know is, as they've admitted, causing, uh, causing infertility. Just the puberty blockers and hormone treatments along with a whole lot of other things. Bone problems, constant infections. I, I mean, go on forever. We've talked about it in other shows. Please just look up the transgender tag and you'll find it all on our platform and plenty of others. And we also just pointed out, by the way, that Russian parliament bans gender reassignment surgery for anybody. Now, that's something to think about right there. I'm harping specifically right now on the children that seem to be this unnatural focus. 
But we should really start asking about whether or not. Now, look, I've always maintained for an even if you're if you have the right to do with you what you want with your own body, as long as you're not infringing other people's rights, putting other people in danger, crossing lines with children. Well, that's up to you, even even if I may disagree. But you have to understand that from a certain perspective, from a medical perspective, if these things are literally causing more harm than good, if there is no long term safety studies, then why is any medical professional even talking about this? That's another thing that we should be asking. That's independent from me just going, your choice, your body. Very interesting there. So we'll have to see how this goes forward. But realizing that the, even the corporate media is starting to say, well, okay, this has been going on for three years, and we're only just now finding the courage to say, yep, there's, not, there's no evidence. How do you even align with that, align that with things they did during COVID-19? Stopping entire things to be used that probably had some very positive effects that they just didn't care to look at. Well, we know they did. But they just, well, there's no long-term, we don't know for sure. It doesn't, no, no off-label use. Oh, really? <laughs> this whole conversation is rife with all of that. But it's different, though, because they agree with it this time. Well, we just talked about the CDC endorsing trans chest feeding and ignoring all of the risks. I mean, quite literally, all of it. Just the only thing they said was, this is good because it affirms what they all want, they believe they are. It didn't talk about any of the risks, the lack of nutrition, the lack of every positive side of positive associative point associated with breastfeeding or the fact that these things, in fact, very clearly do translate, not just the hormones, but the domperidone and the different chemicals they're using to create this non-natural process that is not breast milk. And I've gone over this extensively from the, from the peer-reviewed research and even the corporate media itself. And I'm still called a transphobe for literally stating the facts. And my point in showing you this first. Is it the crux of this point? Is it they are this the movement or the people pushing this are pushing something that is at the very least increasing the risk of the infant for the benefit of the mental state of the person? Now, you can even agree with that. But how, and that's assuming, first of all, that it actually does improve their mental state. And that is another conversation I'll be showing you right next. But the point really is that how is that where we are? The infant, vulnerable unable to express its needs and thoughts in a, in a you know, stated in, in, in words. That's the person that's always supposed to be protected at your expense. That's the whole point of being a parent. I will push you out of the way and take the hit. That's what a parent does. You don't go, well, I don't know. I'm going to let you get run over because I might get hurt in the process. That's not a parent. That's a coward. That's somebody using this as an accessory, which we got into the whole really uncomfortable conversation of autogynephilia. I'm not going to get into that today, which this apparently seems to be exactly what this was. But let's talk about this article first. It is, it's a study, an article. that This article is from Reality's Last Stand. The study was entitled Medical Uncertainty and Reproduction of the Normal Decision-Making Around Testosterone Therapy and Transgender, Pre Transgender Pregnancy. You know, of course, because the only issue is the testosterone, not all the other risks and lack of nutrition, you know, but that's not even what they get into. But this point is about this point here, the same idea about deciding that, well, we need to reimagine healthcare because these people's mental state is not taking the high enough level in our concern to the point to where they were literally arguing that the child should take a back seat. Thank you, Jennifer, for posting this. The articles, well, the article about this is called, Is There a Doctor in the House? We are witnessing a direct assault on the language associated with women's health in medicine. And there is a weird focus on the women aspect of this. But it says these ideological shifts have raised substantial concerns regarding potential harm that such denial of biological realities could inflict on patients. 
And that's a huge conversation for just in a general sense. Doctors talking about how there are, you know, trans identified uh, males or how's that were trans identified women coming in for cervical exams who are technically men acting like they like they don't. How do you not understand that that's not what you have or, or the reverse, a person who thinks they're not supposed to and they're getting hurt because they're not. And this is causing very serious problems that nobody cares about because, well, they feel better or do they? Because that's not even the case for a lot of these people, and I'll get to that video next. However, recent academic discourse has escalated these concerns to new levels. A provocative new paper in the journal Qualitative Research and Health titled Medical Uncertainty and Reproduction of the Normal Decision-Making Around Testosterone Therapy in Transgender Pregnancy by Pfeffer and colleagues proposes propels us further down the road of medical malpractice. The authors, a group of transgender sociologists, enthusiasts, and healthcare activists, not a one medical degree among them, but apparently that doesn't matter in, in this new medical field, argue a, to dramatically remove the goalposts of medical ethics. Non-medical degreed individuals are arguing for the removal of ethics around medicine because, you know, mental state, choosing to completely disregard the health, safety, and well-being of the develop, developing fetus, all in the name of trans inclusion. Abiding by their paper's guidance would land us in a vacuum devoid of medical ethics and a seismic shift away from the importance of scientific research and medical evidence in favor of activist-directed healthcare. The authors argue that gendered pregnancy care is too focused on helping women have healthy babies and that it might be okay for trans men to continue taking testosterone during pregnancy despite the known risk to the fetus and effects on its normal development, which I'll show you in the study, which they even cite, which are crazy. The desire for normal fetal outcomes, according to the authors, in this case, what we're actually talking about is healthy children, is rooted in a problematic desire, quote, to protect their offspring from becoming anything other than normal and reflect historical and ongoing social practices for creating ideal and normative bodies. Right, as if having some kind of issue, you know, whether it's autistic or some kind of developmental disorder, that's somehow just because we're being, what, bigoted? No, the idea is that the lack of safety and the lack of concern for it can end up causing problems that you can end up loving just the same, but problems nonetheless. But this is somehow now we're now bigoted against just the, these are just all it's, it's the illusion of saying, you know, being over, dramatically overweight. That's not unhealthy. That's just you being a bigot. I just literally saw an article about a body body. Uh, what was it called? A body. Hell, what do they call themselves? I just saw it. I don't know, you know, a body, a body activist who died from a heart problem at 30 something. And is, you know, it's a wildly overweight person whose entire job was arguing that being fat was not a problem. It's just because society doesn't like it. No, it's because it's unhealthy and it causes all sorts of verifiable biological problems. And nobody cares about well, not really biological, but more so medical problems. But that doesn't matter though, because the narrative has become that you're a bigot if you don't like them. And it's only because you hate fat people. Well, I, mean, I don't want to sleep with a fat woman. That's just my personal opinion. But don't I have a right to say that? I thought everybody's opinions and, and, and feelings mattered. Oh, except not yours, though. Right? It's just there's this weird box around certain people's opinions that just kind of get, well, you're the bad one, though. But over here, we, we're inclusive of everybody, but not you. <laughs> well, that's not really inclusive, though, is it? The problem here is that you are weighing the personal desire for this person to feel like a woman at the expense of the child. I just don't even know how anybody sees that as anything other than selfish. The authors of the article strive to underscore, well, and then one more point, actually. So the idea here, the real crux of the point, is that they're essentially saying, and this is them reframing it, I'll actually show you the study in one second, but they're essentially saying in the article, which is what they're saying, 
in the, you know, that she characterizes it very well right there, which is that they're saying, well, you know, we will keep giving testosterone because this person wants to continue to feel like whatever that's making them feel like. And that then may just may cause developmental problems, but that's okay because that's just a normal thing. And if they come out with some kind of mental problem, well, you're a bigot for thinking that's any different than everybody else. Well, no, you cause that by being selfish, by not allowing this to stop, knowing that might cause the problem. That You're just inverting the reality to make it seem like we're bigots for not being okay with you hurting your baby. That's wild. The authors of the article strive to underscore the prevailing power dynamic and expertise discrepancy between medical professionals and their pregnant patients. They also highlight lack of training on trans pregnancy care. Well, okay, but see, the problem is this is something that's brand new. No long-term studies. So why would you expect anybody to understand the nuances of something that's some Frankenstein medical field that nobody studied properly? The point is that by doing all of this, you're creating a situation where the doctors, based on sex and gender being the same thing, and that it, there is a difference there. It's not some kind of perceived hierarchy. It's just basic. They're different. And medical care is different based on a difference of biology. But they frame this as some sort of power dynamic or that the doctors shouldn't be know so much more than everybody. Well, that's what they're supposed to. It's just the weird the way that this woke mentality is dripping into everything in ways that are just, I mean, not even connected, it seems. They also highlight lack of training on trans pregnancy and the failure of the current precautionary approach within a highly gendered space of pregnancy care. However, conspicuously absent is any robust concrete data to substantiate their claims. Shocking. That's how this tends to work. Well, they're trans, so they know. <laughs> well, that's not evidence. That's not science-based anything. That is people saying what they believe to be the truth, which is what you're essentially saying is reality now, that you decide. But the other side, we're talking about science and, and medical establishment. We can question all that. We should. But you don't just go, I disagree because. And you can for you personally, but the idea is that this is not some alternative-based scientific body of work. That says, no, here's the evidence that says being fat's completely healthy. That's not what we're talking about. They just decide otherwise. And they just go, you're wrong. <laughs> Which is, they're kind of taking a note out of the government book, aren't they? It says, instead, they bolster their argument by cherry-picking quotations from their study involving a pool of 70 international trans individuals and 22 healthcare professionals, or simply those who were identifying as healthcare professionals at the time of the study. And that, that's a good point. Because there's people that are working, like WPATH, these, there's people that are working in this field that are calling themselves healthcare professionals that are not a doctor. Before continuing, we must point out the obvious flaw in the article. Pregnancy care isn't gendered. It's sexed, which quite frankly, I don't think they're different. Only the biologically fertile female, human females are of our species possess the physical attributes necessary for pregnancy and childbirth. Simple biology. Yeah, and you know why they also know that's a bi biological reality? Because they change their bodies to be able to try to do it. <laughs> so you clearly also know that, and it just seems like something that you don't want to say. But I think it's important to realize, and I'll go to the study here, that this is about trying to alter our understanding of what's right and reframe this as how the, this, I mean, is it like, think of it like this. If the father one day, a, a totally straight ma man, decided to, argue that he wanted to i mean just i can't what's a good example just did something that was at the direct expense of the child so he felt better that day do you think anybody would be okay with that a white male of a guaranteed i'd be in jail today why is it different i don't even think i need to explain that here's just a couple of excerpts and you should read this whole thing it's quite alarming that i think are pretty crazy in this context of medical ambiguity and uncertainty in the hyper-gendered uh, context of pregnancy and lactation care, again, 
It's just, I mean, we just went over that too. That just chest feeding is the same point. Both, both healthcare providers and trans patients engaged in precautionary approaches that prioritize potential fetal and infant health and well-being over adult trans patient health and well-being in the present. Yeah, that's called being a parent. That the child is most important at your expense, no matter what. You don't want to be a parent, then don't take on that responsibility. You see, this is what starts to show you it's more of an accessory to some of these people. And that's not okay for me. I mean, the idea of the lactation part the same way. They pointed all these studies, and all they really show in the study is that the person felt better. They don't even begin to ask whether it's healthy or safe. How is that possible? It says healthcare providers also work to dispense healthcare recommendations and edicts in ways that reestablish or establish their expertise and authority. These precautionary and expertise authority re or establishing approaches had the result of shoring up social constructions around binary conceptualizations of sex and sex hormones and was driven in their explanations by a focus on attempting to reproduce normative body and peoples. Like if you really to break that down is wildly confusing. So they're going through what they they're doing, what they think is right and trying to be safe and help. The, and they're all you're doing it in a binary left, left, right way. Well, this is the problem because that's reality. You don't just get to, this is the problem with just deciding one day that this is, and then arguing that the doctor doing things that are in arguably in your best interest should should practice medicine in the way that you feel is gender fluid. I mean, it just, it's, it's, this is lunacy. It's, it's, you're doing things that are dangerous because it makes you feel better, including your own treatment or treatment to others. It says it is imperative when examining processes whereby trans people make decisions that weigh their own mental health and well-being against the potential health and well-being of their offspring. So this this is as clear as it gets. There should be a way. Obviously, the person's health matters. Nobody's saying otherwise. But it's the same point we said before why pregnant women remove medications before they start breastfeeding. And and those half the time are, are something they need. But the argument is if it's not immediately life-threatening and you think it's and you can deal with it, then you should stop. So you can feed and come back. Obviously, if it's life-threatening, well, that's quite a bit different. But again, in the context of even say if you know a, a, a car's coming and you push the child out of the way, that is life-threatening. And every parent who cares would do that. Any parent right now that says they wouldn't jump and save their child in face of death is not a parent, in my opinion. Now you could disagree with that. But the point is that they're basically saying that is more that they should at least consider their personal mental well-being at the and not versus the child's well-being versus the child's health. Importantly, these processes do not occur within a social vacuum. As Shutter notes, quote, underpinning trans medicine is the inescapable fact that providers are working within gender specific medicine. Gender normative expression becomes a lens through which providers make distinctions of good, bad patients. As such, part of being a good pregnant or chest-feeding, breastfeeding patient as a trans person is suspending use of testosterone. See, this is so ridiculous. This has nothing to do with trans or not, just because only trans people are taking... That's not, that's not even true. There's examples where there are non-trans people taking testosterone. So the point is about whether it's safe for the baby. See, again, it's inherent in the very conversation that it's selfish. You're thinking about you in all the context as opposed to the child. The point is not about whether this is gender normative things being forced on you. It's because it's safe or not for the child. End of conversation. It says in suspending use, and even it may involve significant negative consequences for its own health. Yep, that's called being a parent. Grow up and take the responsibility or don't have a child. The logics 
guiding current medical advice around precautionary testosterone cessation, stopping using it in pregnancy, involve potentially troubling assessments of the sorts of risk testosterone exposure in the prenatal and postpartum environments may pose for later child and adult development. So get this, even as they argue that it's somehow, it, it might be worth it to maintain this so you feel better or you have better, better sanity. By the way, really quickly, we have a huge storm passing through right now. So if I lose power, that would be frustrating. I hope not. I'll be, I'll be back. But it says, namely, potentially, and this is what using this testosterone during this process could do. Heightened likelihoods of autism, obesity, intersex conditions. Look at that. What I literally, literally just say. That you're, and, and Dr. Peter McCullough said the same thing, that you're giving, this, you're giving these, the testosterone through breast milk or even just through other processes, and that's also leading to more potential gender dysphoria. And the whole thing continues to spiral and keep growing. That's interesting. But being lesbian or trans, I mean, it says it right there, in this way, precautionary practices of protecting the offspring of trans people become, paradoxically, a method of social control through safeguarding against reproduction of some of the very characteristics held by these people. Think about what they're saying right there. So now as a byproduct, we're real, like almost as if they're going, yeah, we're kind of doing this on purpose. So if you stop me from doing it, that means you're stopping me from potentially having a trans child. That's maybe one of the many different potential or, or mental disorder or autism or... I mean, any number of things. I mean, it's unbelievable that the idea is that now this is somehow a retroactive way to stop trans people from happening, even though this never started until trans people made this the case. I mean, there's no there's no logic to any of this. It's just you're you're, you're perpetually the victim, despite being more, giving I mean, the White House. I mean, it doesn't even matter. The point is, it's always a victim mentality, regardless of whether that's actually what's happening even with your own child, apparently, even with the medical establishment. It also, which, by the way, is pulling out every stop for that entire community right now. It also raises the specter of panoptics of the womb and, and, and uh, epist- epistem, what is that one? Epistemic injustice, as is simultaneously reflects evaluation of the epistemic authority. What is that? Oh, that's weird. They didn't even pop up. Anyway, a medical professional is an erosion of the uh, the epistemic. Epistemic. That's an interesting word. Let me, what is that in the chat? Let me know. Privilege of trans gestation parents. Now, the main point for me was right there, what I ha- had highlighted. I just can't believe that. It's what we've been saying. And what's interesting, if I go out later and say that tra- testosterone treatments in these in these women are leading to gender dysphoria or leading to, they'll call you a conspiracy theorist. It's like the same time, the study promoting what they're doing is going, you're stopping us from turning these people to trans, possibly. I mean, think about how batshit crazy that is. It's like completely inverse. It says, we also find that despite relatively standard precautionary medical advice for trans people to stop or pause testosterone administration prior to conception during the gestational period and across the duration of breastfeeding, there remains little empirical evidence guiding this advisement, particularly in the context of testosterone microdosing. Think about how crazy that is. So on this side of it, we're going, don't do this or especially not for children, because there's no long-term studies. They go, ah, it's about, it's about mental health. It's for suicide prevention. And then when we turn around and go, whoa, 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 you should stop doing this because it might hurt the baby. They go, well, there's no long-term studies, so we can't stop. We don't know what it will do. That's what that says. Right? So you're admitting that there are negative consequences, but it's better for your mental health. But then pretending those don't exist when it comes in this context and going, well, we don't have long-term studies. That's what I just said over there. (laughs) 
I mean, this is lunacy. I can't, I feel like we're the only people that see this stuff sometimes. Blows my mind. Much of trans medicine has been built on the assumption of binary genders. Trans people's understandings of their selves and bodies have become more fluid and cross-gender transitioning is not always the ultimate goal. So what does that really tell you? That this thing is developing in real time and we don't even know what's happening. So they've understood. So if, we, if they haven't even fully understood themselves to the full extent yet, how are we pretending we know what's supposed to be happening? That's fantastic. They, well, they're realizing maybe we don't even need to change genders. We can just say we're this way. That's what we've always been saying. Call yourself whatever you want. There's no, re there's no reason to go through this extreme process. You're good just the way you are. It says, indeed, future medical research might approach continuation of testosterone during pregnancy amongst trans people, not as a binary yes, no question, or a topic to approach for the purposes of developing a one-size-fits-all medical standardization, but one that investigates the potential impacts of continuing various doses of testosterone across pregnancy. Gee, you don't say. Maybe we should test and make sure if it's safe. And I mean, but that's a side note. The bottom line is very clear. It really blew me away when I read that. Now, here is Scott Nugent, who, as he calls himself, the accidental star of what of what is a woman. And he is doing a great job. He, I mean, well, I guess I don't know what he calls himself at this point. I think he was a lesbian, right? But I think now he, I mean, he's calls himself Scott, so I'm guessing he's a man. I mean, it, it doesn't, at this point, it, this is why I've always said, like, here's an interesting point to make right here. So he is somebody who I believe is standing up and doing what's right, exposing what this is. Now, wouldn't you argue that you should respect what he wants to be called? Right? So why don't we do that for anybody? Unless we're being forced. And this is what I've been saying from the beginning. There should have been no reason why somebody just goes out, oh, call me this. Okay, whatever. I don't care. That shows you some kind of an internal issue for people with the idea of, even just gay stuff or, you know, there's an issue there for some people. And it's your right to think what you want. But the, like, I, like it started for me with Chelsea Manning. Remember this? And I, I didn't even, people were going, ah, oh, it's really a man. I was like, well, okay, fine. I agree. I just don't care. What, I, I think, I think Chelsea did good stuff. And so I'm a, I respect, you right. You got, you get my point. So in this case, I think it's interesting because I think this, the people that are attacking this and for right reasons, see, see Scott on the side of what we're doing. So why would you go out of your way to not call him? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's just interesting. It just comes down to a respect factor for, for you as a person, not for everybody else. Now, back to this point. And I just, I think, I think Scott, so I'm guessing he, but the point is that he's on this interview and I mean, he's, he's been nailing this down, man. Like just going around talking to people that are trying to make him look crazy. And just the point is that he knows what he's talking about. He's done the research and he's dealing with half of it. And so he breaks down these studies, many of which we've already shown on the show. And, and they, he, one of these things they do, they, they state this line, this classic lie, better an alive daughter than a kid, than a, uh, what was it? No, it was something like a better than a dead son, a dead, or, no, better an alive daughter than a dead son, or, you know, whatever that narrative is. Like that they let them trans, it'll stop their suicide. That's not even technically true. The stats are not clear on that. In fact, it shows the opposite. But here's what he had to say. Now, this gets into the same point, that this stuff, whether we're talking about chest feeding or the process of, of the of the, 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 the pregnancy, it goes even further than that, right? Because that's important. And it shows you that they're framing this. The mental health of these people are more important than the safety of the child. I mean, that we children were got taken away for less 20 years ago, right? But it's also everything else. It's also the idea that puberty blockers are harming kids and people that take them that are adults, as well as hormone treatments. This is all Frankenstein science right now for everybody. So children absolutely need to be taken off the table for this entire conversation. And yet, it's going even harder. 
Welcome back to the program. We are joined by Scott Nugent. Scott, I just want to jump right in. You have been speaking out against medical transitioning. Oh, I, sorry, I want to say one point. I forgot to say it before we started. I notice a tactic like that, and I think that's that's a good indication. Like, you don't just go, hey, Scott, okay, let's get right to it. You just jump, you don't, you don't even let him say hello or hi, how, how are you doing? That's a sign of disrespect. I just think I want to point that out because you can, not that you're not going to be able to tell that right away, but that's just a, you know, a petty, catty kind of a thing to do. Welcome back to the program. We are joined by Scott Nugent. Scott, I just want to jump right in. You have been speaking out against medical transitioning uh, for minors. You are somebody who has experienced that yourself. However, uh, one thing that we haven't been able to figure out is why you are opposed to banning trans women in sports. Why, why do you not want trans women to compete in sports? Well, in, in 1973, we had the law passed that basically, you know, women could compete against other women. And we did that so that, you know, self-esteem of women could be lifted. And, and we kind of excluded males from, from that category. Now, trans women are biological males who create an illusion of a woman. They are not women. So they shouldn't be in sports. So you're saying that that trans women don't exist, that they are not, trans women should not have any rights. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Can you believe that? Here we go. Another Jordan Peterson interview. So what you're saying is, no, not even remotely. Did you just grab that off the wall? Like, no rights? <laughs> I mean, people are ridiculous. I, just, I, I mean, he, he, I'm surprised he kept his composure. I would have laughed about that. But the point is that all he said, he said a biological reality. They can disagree with that. But it really comes down to the testosterone, right? In, in regard to the, because even women transitioning, taking testosterone are not going to have the level, the, it, the advantage over the, um, a natural, you know, high, normally leveled testosterone man. But when you, and the point is, that's why men in most cases are, that's why they're, you can clearly see a general difference. There are some women that can beat some men, right? But the point is in a general sense, we all know this. Most men can outperform a woman in athletics in, in most ways. That's not anything bigoted. It's just a basic biological reality. That's why there are women's basketball and men's basketball and so on. But the point is that when women take the testosterone in regard to their treatments, well, that gives them an advantage. And by God, we are seeing that pretty much literally everywhere. I mean, I can't stop seeing these examples of people that you can prove had like ridiculously low times and then went right over and just took first place. And, and you can even prove that they were slower, that they gained weight. I just talked about one. I mean, how are we not? I mean, we are. The point is we all see that. We all do. But just re, re, recalibrate. So you're taking all the rights away? I mean, what rights do they not have? I mean, it's just the most ridiculous argument ever to say that some new thing that we argue we should all demand that you don't give to us, even though it was never there to begin with, is somehow you removing my rights. Or that you're killing kids by removing something that was never there to begin with. I mean, this is lunacy. And there's a level of politics that is driving this. Otherwise, I don't think this would exist. That, that trans women don't exist, that they are not, trans women do, should not have any rights. Is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is that uh, biological women should be able to compete with other biological women in, in a competition that makes it fair. Trans women are men, as that's what I'm saying. Trans women are biological men. Well, what about a, a boy who believes that he is born in the wrong body? Do you want him to commit suicide? Would you rather have... A- you can just see that these were couch statements. It didn't even matter what he said, right? a son commit suicide or have a daughter that lives. Why, why are you opposed to this type of medical uh, medication and medical practice that can help stave off suicide for so many young people? 
Wow, that, that, was a, that was a big mouthful, wasn't it? Well, let's start here. A no <laughs> child is born in the wrong body, first of all. And better an alive daughter than a dead son is actually wrong. There's only one long-term study that has ever held up the test of time. Seven that said it was beneficial for kids. All of those studies have been either retracted or modified with oops, doesn't help anything, uh, or not enough time, not enough participants. The one long-term study that has lasted the test of time from 1973 to 2003, done in Sweden, followed 326 transgender adults, found that these kids are going to be more suicidal after. So my question is, why are you... Which, by the way, still goes down as a trans suicide. Don't forget that point. Even if it was because they went through this process and state that publicly, that goes down as a trans suicide and then it gets reported as how many trans are committing suicide because they're being picked on or whatever the framing is, which is certainly to some. But think about how dishonest that is. You can't okay with taking kids that are suicidal. Adults found that these kids are going to be more suicidal after. So my question is, why are you okay with taking kids so, that are so suicidal? So you're I'm okay, not done. Scott. Not done. You are no, okay I'm not, I'm not done. with no, children I'm not committing done. suicide. I'm not done. No, what I'm saying is that I'm not okay with these kids committing suicide, but these kids will be more suicidal after they medical transition because you are spreading things that are not true. All right, Scott, that's all the time we have for now. All right, let's move on because I just lost that battle. You know, it's like, and he's right, scientifically proven. But of course, that could change, right? I should say more so scientifically established in the peer-reviewed body of evidence, right? And what's interesting, though, is that you can go through all this and see exactly that. And they, the people pushing this narrative, like her first statement about, about taking their rights away, I mean, that didn't apply to basically anything he was saying. It just basically is couch statements that may, would you rather have a dead, a live son than a dead, you know, whatever. It's just these things you keep hearing and it's independent of the, of the data. Now, Billy Bragg points something out that I just want to read. I agree with this. It says, no child is born in the wrong body. No kid. Well, you could argue this. You could dispute that, right? Just But trans being a mental state, just believe you're, you know, you call yourself what you want. But either way, she's saying no child is born in the wrong body. No kid is trans. They What they are, and I agree really strongly with this, to some degree, I think mostly this is what's happening right now, which is why we've seen the numbers explode over the last four years and why we have people in this community, doctors at WPATH telling us they've got, or the whistleblower we talked about, telling you they got clusters of teenage girls and their friends groups coming in all together deciding we're all trans. Or you got celebrities, they got three kids that are all trans. Like mathematically, that's ridiculously impossible. But it's because it's politics and social contagion and pressure and it's the fad right now. And most of them don't realize that these things are irreversible when they get into the actual treatments. They just think it's okay, and we want to present that as something that's positive. Because it's irreversible, right? Come right back tomorrow? They, a lot of these ignorant, famous people actually think that. But it says what they are is highly susceptible, highly suggestible, and extremely vulnerable. That's every, most every child. Children have no frame of reference. They don't know adults are smugly patting themselves on the back internally for being so progressive. They don't know it's all a great affirming pretense. They believe you. The child believes they are faulty, that they were born wrong, that they need fixing. Think about how gross that is. The child believes they like the wrong things. Now, there's inherently a blasphemous concept here. You're straight up saying that God made a mistake, apparently. Or the or that God planned for you to have a surgery that had to be forced through on and malpractice medically. Like just think about how broken this is. You you were made correctly. However you want to call yourself, see, act. You are who you are, and that's okay. The child believes they like the wrong things, that they have the wrong mannerisms, are wrong to be who they are, and what the thing and want the things that they do. The child believes they can change sex that they will become the other sex in all ways and means. They do not comprehend forever 
They do not predict their own changing moods. And so they give away things they do not even yet understand. The child is ushered into a pathway of lifelong medicalization of elective and medically unnecessary surgeries generously described as experimental, of difficult and life-limiting complications, of always chasing something that can never be achieved. The child is told anyone who does not play along hates you. Anyone who does not pretend wants you dead. And that if they do not follow this extreme medical pathway, then the only other option is for, that, for them is death at their own hand. And those who... Pro, uh, pro, uh, what was that again? Convert. Oh, that's right. So like, yeah. So basically those who convert the new faith of gender identity or convert them into it, dare to say those indoctrinated children have consented. Now so that's like, that's the same concept as a cult of saying, you know, because, well, they're here, right? Well, children, I thought what we always understood aren't able to consent, but not, not here that they're terrified and confused parents have consented. So all is fine. Quote, if you think they're trans, you probably are trans. If you think you're trans, you probably are trans and you, you and you need to socially transition and medicalize ASAP or you will die. But if you transition and medicalize and it doesn't work for you, then you were never trans. And the fact that you have irreversibly changed your body based on the alarmist, scientifically unsupported advice of medical professionals is your own fault. People must go to prison for this. I agree. Now, let's talk about the idea of the gender dysphoria point and the idea that this is something that is being put forward by everybody it seems in this community that it's that this is something that is something to be discovered in young people but at the core of the conversation that's not what's being said in the community so now you have the the politics the media and the people driving this within the community pushing the idea that this is something we need to discover but then you've got the then you've got the actual people in the community saying no we can pick and choose we just get to decide. There's no disorder we're dealing with. So how do you make sense of that? If, as we'll prove, and you should know by now, that doctors need, are required to place this in some category of gender dysphoria for any of this treatment to begin. How do you make sense of that? So can they choose when they're kids? Can they wake up tomorrow and go, hey, I just want to be a girl today. Let's start all this process. Well, they can't actually, because the doctor has to, has to literally diagnose them with gender dysphoria. So how do we make sense of that? If How is there not a medical malpractice happening or a, a medical deception taking place if the community doesn't even agree with what is necessary for the treatment they say they deserve? Make sense of that. We'll, get, we'll break this down right now. Gays Against Groomers points out, which I had an interview set with them and they just canceled last minute and then now they won't respond to me. So who knows? I guess, you know, somebody in their community said, Ryan is a left-wing shield, don't fall for it or whatever happened, but. I still support their work as I because they think it's important. Your frequent reminder that multiple gender clinics in North Carolina diagnose and treat toddlers with gender dysphoria starting at age two. Now, understand this doesn't necessarily mean surgery, but we have proven that's happened. It's, it's shockingly young ages, but in puberty blockers, we have proven have started at things like three, four, and five. But as far as I can tell, it's reasonably sparse at least right now. So we can so we know who knows how much of this is happening behind the scenes. But what it really means is just saying, well, yes, we're, we're telling you that you do. Why? Because they're playing with toys that are for women or for, you know, boys playing with girls' toys or they're a tomboy or however you look at this. And in most cases, those things will just filter out and you'll become whatever you. The point is we all go through this understanding phase when you're learning your sexuality. And as you grow and you learn these things and, it's, uh, and as a child, you are confused because that's confusing. It's a confusing time. It always was. 
Now there's people being sticking in the middle of that and abusing that vulnerable moment. They're vulnerable and telling them, no, 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 no. I know you feel uncomfortable and it isn't normal. We can fix you. I mean, you remember being a child. If an adult that you trusted came up and said that, you'd probably believe them. And so they go, it's okay, though. We'll get, we'll, you, you have a disorder, and we're going to give you something to help with that. And that causes infertility. We wish we were joking. It says there's no such thing as transgender toddlers. Now, the argument of these, we're not giving surgeries and so on, right? But that's not necessarily what we're talking about. We're talking about starting this process, whether mentally or with some kind of treatment like puberty blockers, at early stages, long before they should ever be given. Now, here's a really disconcerting thing. It looks like gays for groomers broke this down. Trending politics covered this. A woman posing as a young girl. I, I mean, what's arguable, I wouldn't even say bust them. I think this is pretty publicly acknowledged. I just didn't, I don't think people really understand this is happening. I mean, there's all sorts of policies going, we won't tell your parents. It's pretty much public. I still don't think most people haven't acknowledged this is, in fact, real. Now, I'm going to play this for you. It's like 10 minutes long. I'll, I'll be the first to tell you that it's interesting that the actual, the voice kind of sounds fake to me. But it doesn't mean it's not like a real engagement. Quite frankly, I think this is easy to prove. I think whether I look, I think this is a real video. I just think it's po- point out that the I'm surprised the person on the side of the call didn't go. This sounds like a f- person faking to be a young kid, right? Either way, I think that just speaks to the idea that it's just like everybody welcome, anybody anywhere. Yo, you think? Come on in. We'll give you something to get you going, right? That's how this feels, and it feels fast and loose with nothing to back it up. Well, the reason I'm saying that is just because it's like, whether or not, the point is that you could prove this is happening right now, anywhere you look, that they're basically going to come in because it's, it's about affirming you and helping you not avoid suicide and we won't tell your parents. And that's inherently wrong. Somebody just put a tweet out that said, when we were told we were children that if anybody, an adult, is trying to secretly tell you things without your parents and telling you not to tell your parents, there's a problem, especially if it involves sex. Red flag. But everything's out the window now, and that's what we're going to finish today with the idea that there is undeniably an entire aspect of this that are predators stepping into this to abuse people under the cover of the movement that is doing just that for them. It's unnerving. But let's watch this first. Recently, a contact of one of our Kansas chapter members of Gays uh, Gays Against Groomers went undercover to test popular gender clinic on whether or not they were providing minors with disruptive hormones or surgeries. What we discovered was shocking. Our contact first called Planned Parenthood, pretended to be Kelly, an alleged 14-year-old girl looking for gender transition treatment without parental consent. Now, I'm actually going to skip that because all she does is she calls Planned Parenthood and they, go, and they go, well, let me see if I can. we are allowed to deal with children. And they stopped. So it's not even settled, apparently. And they came back and said, no, 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 you have to be 18. So and they and then they, the person goes, can I get a number? And they go, here's a number for somebody that will help you. So it's the same difference. If Planned Parenthood is facilitating, see, I'm 14, I'm trans, is facilitating this. That's an important point to make. But we help underage patients receive the care they need. Oh, wait, no, this is past it. Hold on. There it is. Be the number you give me. I'm going to put no mail for your address, and then. Oh, no, hold on, right here. And yeah, I mean, if you look. Um, hold on, Jesus, did I go too far? Hold on, what the hell? There we go. Planned Parenthood turned down Kelly, telling her to come back when she was 18, but gave her a number to contact, and it's called the Community Healthcare Network. All right, here we go, guys. 
Right? See my point? The voice doesn't sound like, like, is this real? Good afternoon. Thank you for calling Community Health Network. My name is Brian. How can I help? Hello. Uh, my name is Kelly. Um, I just called uh, the Planned Parenthood. Um, also, the one thought I had, too, is that, you know, quite honestly, one thing we keep noticing is that people taking these different hormones, their voices, their voices get all kind of up and down. And so maybe that's just he's just assuming maybe this is just a person that took something. I don't know. Like it kind of, you know, it's, it seems logical to me that e- with all the flags and the person which you'll hear going, I'm scared. I don't know about this. And they still kind of drive them into coming in. It just seems like there's just no holes barred. Just anybody, anywhere, you're all coming. And I think that's what's being exposed with a lot of this. Um, and they gave me your number and they said how um, they couldn't possibly help me because I'm underage. But my parents, I came out to my parents as trans and they uh, freaked out and said that they wouldn't help me in any way possible. Possible. Um, and I was wondering if you guys could help. Of course, but what is it that you're in need of? Uh, just any, like, I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm only 14. And I'm trans. I, I don't feel like I'm in the body that I'm supposed to be in. And I told my parents this, and they freaked out and yelled at me. So I'm just seeking any kind of help I could get. But, okay, so let's backtrack a little bit. Um... If you're if you're looking for like a primary care provider and then like looking for like treatment like hormonal therapy, we can do that. Uh, mental health services, we also offer that. Uh, when you said Planned Parenthood, I'm sort of thinking along the lines of termination, but I don't I don't know if that's what you're looking for. No, no. My, one of my friends told me that Planned Parenthood helped, but they said I they they couldn't because I was too young. And Planned Parenthood gave me this number. Just in the interest of time, I'm just gonna I'm gonna kind of jump ahead really quickly. But so you guys, the bottom line is that the person very clearly was like, "You're 14. My parents don't want this." She, the, per, the the kid, you know, hypothetical kid, reiterated that like five times. My parents don't want this to happen. They're, I want to hide this from them, and that's where it gets really uncomfortable. Where they're just like, he, they just over and over, like, "We'll hide this. We'll put it under a certain category." But is can I call back later? Yeah, most definitely. I still want to put you. Okay, I found it. So uh, the soonest appointment that I have is August 31st with Dr. Carmichael. This appointment would be uh, Thursday at 9.40. Okay. Uh, Hold on. And I do agree the voice is pretty weird, but it appears to be completely legitimate as far best I can tell. Let me just make a test account to put a placeholder, and then since I have to do – just put a lot of labels on on your chart. Just give me one moment. Okay. I'm going to skip the part. Johnson? Okay. Uh-huh. Um, Johnson has an H in it, right? Yeah. Uh, Jay? Hold on. And you're sure my mom won't right go pray? Okay. Just give me one moment. I'm finding anything. Hold on. And you're sure my mom won't find out? Yeah. Now, Cold Cindy is when... um. We have to put labels on your chart. So as soon as I make this chart, it's going to be contact by phone only. And then it's just going to be the number you give me. Uh, it's called a code Cindy. And I, I mean, I think that's just to crux the point. So they put, they, they label everything code Cindy. They do everything differently. They go out of their way. If anybody calls that is not them from a certain number, they have to verify certain information. If they don't, they just hang up. I mean, it's just the, 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 their, their entire business is centered around the idea. Like, 
it's not like this is just some casual thing. Like, you know, we'll do our best to keep your privacy. This is like, and there's like protocols for how to make sure parents don't know. How is that even possible if this isn't, I mean, look at how early this is. How did this already happen? It starts like this, guys. And there's something inherently wrong with all of this. It really is uncomfortable at, at the core. And again, you can read more about it. The Trending Politics wrote, wrote it all, broke it all down as they wrote. It's happening all over the country. And they just, they're skipping right past any kind of consent. Well, at what point did 14-year-old people be able to consent to anything? It's unbelievable. Now, here's where you get in. I, this is what I showed you before. Here's Matt Walsh has a big thread on this. And this is, this is Ari Groner you're going to listen to, a licensed clinical social worker who educates doctors. Not a doctor, a social worker, but who educates doctors on how they're supposed to act in this trend. So that's why we're seeing all of this get all out of control. It's politics. The doctors are now acting like they're being taught how to engage with this. At a recent training session, they explain how they just write whatever they need because, well, you know, I'm not a gatekeeper. Right. So they're telling doctors, just write down whatever generous for write down generous for you because they need help, even if they don't say that's what they're dealing with. This is where we get into the obvious problem here. We sort of will go again into understanding that I'm not going to be a gatekeeper. I'm not going to be a person that's going to stop them from accessing care. I'm not there to determine if they're trans enough. I'm going to write them this letter. Right. So because they asked for it. Don't miss the reality here. It's like, well, you know, the whole point is this is what it's supposed to be. You're supposed to find out whether or not this is necessary, but that's not what they're doing. Because the real point from the community and even the teachers telling children is that you just get to pick. Why would, why would they have to put any barriers if you just get to wake up one day and decide? But you see, to, for, the barrier is there. So they have to go, well, just write down gender dysphoria. They know this. The, the community knows this. The politics knows this. The media, they, they know this. And yet we're still doing this. And we pointed out we're somehow bigoted. How do you make sense of that unless there's a problem here? He writes, Groner was referring to WPATH. This is the group we keep pointing out, which made, and this is the standards of care, which major hospitals follow. They require that trans patients obtain a letter before undergoing surgeries, right? And they have to write down gender dysphoria on this recommendation. But Groner tells her audience to treat the letters as a persuasive essay and to just green light even suicidal patients. Why? Well, because of the argument that they're suicidal because they need this, not because they already have problems and this will only exacerbate something that they don't, that they're already dealing with. History that might be helpful to sort of showing the necessity. So if let's say a client has a psych history that includes like suicidal ideation or a suicide attempt, and you can connect it to the gender dysphoria that actually can be sort of a, a positive persuasive essay piece. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Cause you can kind of show what this is so necessary, right? How could you possibly know why they were suicidal? Right. I mean, you could argue that they'll say that, but like, this is something that's new to most people. So this idea that let's say they've been suicidal for years and they felt like, Oh, maybe this will help me. <laughs> the idea is that if they already have these suicidal issues, there's clearly something going on. And to just assume that this will see solve it is exactly what we're seeing everywhere. That's why the whistleblower we read from you early, read to you earlier in a previous show told you that they were funneling in people from their psychiatric unit, people with ADHD, with bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, none of which even told argued that they had gender dysphoria, but they swore up and down that this treatment would save them. And it didn't. And she's on the record. So this just it's either profiteering or something much darker. 
So it doesn't matter though. None of this matters. This is how this is impacting this person's life. And this is why this procedure is necessary and, and needed. I have found that when I frame it in a, you know, we're going to kind of use this as a persuasive essay and we're going to really, you know, kind of stick it to them. There's, there's a little bit more fun with it in the way we even use language. So I found that to kind of be helpful with clients. Right. So the point is we'll write down whatever they need. If they say they're a trans man, then we'll write down gender dysphoria, even if they aggressively tell me that's not true. And in many cases, they'll even tell them, don't worry, we don't think we'll just write it down. So you get what you want. It's all very easy to prove. And somehow we're the wrong ones for pointing this out. Well, don't forget WPATH, the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. This is on 2022 in June from the Associated Press. They're talking about the guidelines for children. That's not the point of the article for me, though. The point for me is that they have experts in this very place, as you've all seen more than once. Dr. Marcy Bowers, the transgender health group's president-elect, has raised her concerns about hasty treatment for children. I mean, think how is that possible that we're literally pushing this on children as the very group they're citing for the reason they're doing it are going, whoa, we're not even giving them the treatment they need. We're not giving them counseling, which should be happening no matter what first. It's not, though. They'll skip it right over that. These are multiple critics. Psychologist Erica Anderson actually resigned her post from this group. Still works there, but just resigned from the board because she's trying to show that she's not okay with this. She voiced concerns about sloppy treatment for kids without adequate counseling. There's three people in this group that have spoken up and said, we're doing this without treatment. We're, we're skipping right past treatment. It's not working. We're being sloppy. It's hasty. And yet nothing stops. This pediatrician raised concerns about the increasing number of youngsters who are getting treatment. She said too many in the field are jumping the gun. Associated Press, but we're all bigots though, right? I've shown you this more than once. Here's another one. Groner explains that insurance companies just won't pay for these surgeries unless they put generous for you, right? So they just go write it in. We're using that diagnosis to ensure they get what we think they need. So it's just an illusory point. It is illusion. It is a contradiction because they don't think they have it. And you may argue they do, but that's not what you're saying even. You're going, well, they just need this help because it's just what transgenderism is. The generous for you part is the, is the medical establishment still trying to catch up with what we are naturally. That's actually what's being pushed right now. Now, you can agree with that, but then you must acknowledge that right now they're all breaking the law. But that doesn't matter apparently to anybody. And who's asking us to write these letters? So oftentimes we're, we're being asked by surgeons or physicians, but in reality, it's really for the insurance companies. Um, that's what the letters are really for. And I think that's important for us to keep Why? in mind. Why? Liability. Because they know that as long if they get this, their ass is covered. They'll say, well, they said, right? Shows you something right there. We have to use the DSM in our letters for insurance company. So I'm not, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. As y'all can tell, I'm not like the biggest DSM fan. So, right. So even the person training these doctors is the one arguing, I'm not a fan of what the entire crux of the argument. The only thing we're saying we're dealing with that they're dealing with gender dysphoria and that's how we treat them. I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> how is that even possible? Because this is an illusion because we're being misled by everybody. I just think it's important to highlight because of this requirement. And this is something I'll explain to the client. So I'll talk about, you know, your insurance company is saying as, you know, or sort of a requirement, 
for this letter for the surgery that you have to have this diagnosis. And and we'll kind of talk about that. Right. So we'll explain to you that we just have to write this down because that's what they require. Right. So this is an illusion. Either they have a problem or they don't. Right. You can't have this disconnect between what we're telling everybody who is growing up at preschools and kindergartens versus the barrier between treatment and the doctors. And then all of the immediate problems that come along with the treatments that they're being lied to that is reversible. We'll get into that right after this. It's not reversible. They're causing infertility and immediate problems as they lie about what's going on and then lie about what actually needs to be done or said to get that treatment in the first place. So knowing that this, you know, sort of American Psychological Association or DSM, there's this history of pathologizing and categorizing queer people as sort of sexual deviants. There is that minimal trust. So what I talk about is that we're using the diagnosis to ensure that clients get that necessary treatment. Right. So not diagnosing anybody. They're just using that to give them what they've decided they needed before they ever came in the room. Sounds medically sound, doesn't it? This is unreal. It really is. Now, yes, there are people using this for their own political agendas. Same doesn't mean they're wrong, though. It's obvious this is a problem. And yes, if you want to pretend that, I mean, there are plenty of people throughout history that have labeled anybody who is different as a predator or, or a deviant. That's all. That's just, I mean, your government is primary among them. But arguing that this is just what's happening now, it's not even remotely on the same page. We're talking about what they're arguing is a disorder for somebody with their own internal issue it has nothing to do with anybody else. But they're the ones insure, inserting that overlap, which I think is part of the problem is it's, you know, the community is basically engineering, training people how to look at this. But Eli, he writes, whatever insurance companies might think of this, the practice we just showed you, it, it's the industry standard. The popular trans telehealth service, uh, Folex Health, for example, instructs patients that even if they don't fit the definition of gender dysphoria, the diagnosis is needed so that insurers pay out. It's right there on the surface. And I'm, every time I bring this up, people are like, what? I, I, this is what I keep talking about. These are very important things that we, we break through on this show and plenty of other places, and it just never gets further. You guys do your best. You guys share it everywhere. But there's clearly a controlled flow of information. These things are super important. The bottom line is that this is a disconnect that it doesn't make sense. And it proves to anybody who can actually just be honest about looking at what they're looking at that – if they don't even agree on what's actually happening, how in the world are we supposed to be on, in line with this new movement? I mean, the, the real way to look at this, there is no legal avenue for a doctor to give any of this treatment to anybody without first claiming they have a gender dysphoria issue. There is no legal avenue. So either there are doctors out there that are breaking the law or there are doctors who are pretending people are dealing with issues so they don't. That's it. Because right now you have people that are not, they're coming in being told from the moment they're growing up through school that this is something they can pick. And here's one of those examples I've already shown you. This was our pride party at this elementary school with printouts and with affirmations written on them. We're scattered around. This is what they said. I can change exactly how I'm referred to by people in my life and this can change at any time for any reason. I'm allowed to choose how and when I share and teach others about my experience as someone who is queer and or trans. I guess everyone in the class just must be trans because there's no norm. There's no, I can do that when I am straight. Yeah, because straight's not fun. You're boxed out. You're not the cool kid anymore. You're like, it makes them feel like they're different 
and not in the like right now they're being left behind. So what do they do? They go, well, I think I feel trans too. That's what's happening. But my body is the gender and sex I say it is. There you go. So right now, if you're telling children that you can just wake up and pick, the next step is directly into the arms of one of these people that goes, give them puberty blockers, and we'll go ahead and say their gender dysphoria. Okay, you may think that's okay. You may go, well, that's okay because it's reversible, right? It's not, though. And that's the biggest part of this problem is all, since 2019, even the WHO has been like, no, it's not even a disorder, right? So there's a disconnect here, obviously. If even the, even the UK and the BBC and WHO are going, what do you mean? They're just picking because they decided. But then we're still writing down that we can't go past that barrier, right? Well, we, ju- we went over this extensively in this show, but we're going to take it further today. This is the gender dysphoria illusion, showing that there is an illusion here between the community and what they're doing. Here is something that Josh Walco shared, where they're openly admitting, and this is more than one of this example, but this is one of these leading groups that's basically stating in their discussions about trans treatment that this is what's happening. And the other issue that's a showstopper now for many parents around giving consent to puberty blockers is the fertility issue. That if the child goes straight from puberty blockers directly to cross-sex hormones, they, at this point in history, are pretty much forfeiting uh, their fertility, and so they will not have a genetically related child. And there's a lot of parents who have dreams of becoming grandparents, and it's very hard for them to uh, not imagine those genetically related grandchildren. And so we have to work with parents about these aren't your dreams. Oh, I got it. So you're just, you're, you're, you're too selfish, parent. How dare you expect them to be fertile and have children? It's okay. They can just adopt, right? You bigot. I, it's just, it's on, I can't even fathom how this kind of thing can be public and we still go forward with this. It's on the, if you do what they tell you you're supposed to do under the guise that it can be reversible tomorrow, apparently not though. And you should know this because we're going with the facts. It causes infertility as all of these will show you as the Associated Press article will also quite literally show you. Coming back to this video in a second. Sex hormones, estrogen, testosterone. And this is sex hormones, right? But we're talking puberty blockers as well. It lists them up here, right here. The blockers can weaken bones. Can impair sexual function. Although long-term evidence is lacking. But let's give them to kids. Then the hormones. Often long-term risks include infertility, weight gains, strokes, high blood pressure, Massive infections, bone problems. The point is that both of these things can lead to infertility. And they're telling you, if you take the blockers the way we tell you to, to make sure there's the perfect transition into the hormones, well, you will be infertile. It's public information, except it's not, though. Because people right now, like this person, who, of course, was the video was kind of sped up, which I don't know why we need to make these things look crazier when they're already crazy. It's just how this two-party paradigm works. But this person is speaking at one of these movements, And guess what he's saying? Aggressively. That you're wrong about that. The science is wrong. It can be reversed. I'm so happy about it. Yeah, I am. I'm much happier about having gone through it. And it saves the lives of the kids who actually do go through with the hormone treatment. And you know, they don't actually, what actually happens is they get, what actually ends up happening is when they're that young, usually it'll end up being us hormone blockers, which are completely, completely, completely reversible.
It's because that's what you're supposed to, that's what the narrative says. It's not possible that somebody might be hurt by this. No, it's just not possible. It's, it's, it's rabid. It's militant. It's aggressive. The point is that he just said on the record that these things are reversible. They're not. I, I can't even find anyone arguing that outside of the community. So this is a propaganda message that is flooded through this community. We can prove it, and they'll call you a bigot. Completely reversible if they decide that's not what they want. But the thing is, that actually going through puberty is so traumatic for some of these kids. Okay, so the natural version of puberty is is the crazy thing. The blockers, the the non-human, non-organic thing. That's 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 the safe version. That's what he's trying to tell you right now. Leave me so detached from my body, and I can't undo that. I can't undo that. I can't undo the puberty that my body went through afterwards. But I can't. But you can't stop taking. You can't stop. Can't stop taking the hormone blockers if you want to. That has to. It's okay to do that. And. See, even within the community, it seems some people are going, no, he's wrong. He or she, I guess, probably it looks like a he becoming a, becoming a fake woman. It looks like the point is that this is not true. And, and the science backs that up. And even their own experts back this up. Focus on your child's dreams and uh, not imagine those genetically fertility and are pretty much forfeiting uh, their fertility. And- but he, but he's right though, because he's aggressive and screaming, right? Well, January little John writes day 128 of why, sh- of why shouldn't every day be D trans awareness day. So we hear a lot about the negative effects of puberty blockers, cross sex hormones and destruction of sexual functioning. What does this actually mean? What it means is these adults will not be able to experience pleasure during intercourse. Women will tear during regular vaginal intercourse. We've already read you examples of this and will not experience orgasm. Men will not experience orgasm, especially if they get surgical procedures done. Many will not even have a normal sex drive. Does this sound like healthcare or an ethical treatment to a mental health issue? It's not. In fact, it sounds like you're putting people in a position to be far more vulnerable and far more abused. And then, of course, we can point something out that I think is very disconcerting. And I'm not going to play this today, probably in a future show. But the title is From Medical Transition to Assisted Suicide. In Canada, there's a, a, very, discons- a very uncomfortable and sinister, in my opinion, discussion about basically driving people to commit suicide because they have mental disorders or because they have. I mean, like I, like I said right here in this tweet, this is and this is, says Canada will start allowing people with mental illness to choose medically assisted death. Remember when we pointed this out long before this, eugenics, but during COVID, and they were like, you're crazy. I, 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 we made focuses on this. It's not new. For example, during COVID, the illusion, there were documented cases of do not resuscitate orders given to old but very fit people who didn't want them. Or those with people that literally had mental disorders like dyslexia. That's not a typo. We, did it, we showed you on the show people that had dyslexia or other variations of mental disorders that had nothing to do with health and whether you're going to die tomorrow. And they gave them do not resuscitate orders. What is that if not eugenics? Also, does this include gender dysphoria? Isn't that interesting? That is categorized as a mental disorder. They don't call it a mental illness, but it is a mental disorder. So are you going to, would that count? And would then would you start to see maybe an end to the agenda and what it was meant to do? Just thoughts, putting out thoughts. I don't know. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Now, let's talk about how this is clearly something that is 
inappropriate at many different levels. And whether that is part of this or not, it's up for you to decide whether this is just some, you know, aspect of this that's just kind of part of the whole or whether there is a very clearly inappropriate aspect that is driving abuse. And whether there are predators, sexual predators that are using all of this under the guise that we're supposed to believe all women. Oh, excuse me. Wrong, wrong illusion moment. Trust all or whatever. What will we say today that that. That I don't know, that everybody doing this is safe and protected or whatever. I mean, the point is that you get these moments of fervor like that where you're saying things that are ridiculous. Well, we know that there are predators and we know that they have historically used things like this, to, but you can't say it today, otherwise you're a bigot, right? Well, here is RuPaul's Drag Race UK star using a penis-shaped angle grinder to simulate sex acts in front of children. How can these parents just allow that and not storm off, it says? I agree. I mean, look, this is a family-friendly. It's offered like that. Children in the audience. Look at what this person does. Children right, child right there filming. <clears throat> Explain to me how that's not sexual. With or without the prop. This kid right here is even gasping. Look at him. Watch. Or maybe not. Look like maybe he's just chewing on his sweater. But the point, it doesn't whether without the prop or not. What you're you're dressed in in fishnets, stockings, high heels, and a, and a what a, a and like a, a swimsuit onesie or something. That is inherently sexual. It doesn't matter what even even the very concept of drag queen anything is a sexual concept. As many drag queens have said on the record since this all started. And, and again, I've said before, why is it exactly that this takes the embodiment of drag queen anything? Is are every trans person a drag queen? Apparently, that's what the kids think. Hey, I just turned trans. Hey, my first drag show. It's like this weird continual thing. Well, I mean, th this comes to the point. While many people, drag queens, gay people, trans have spoken up and said, this is weird. I'm not like that. Why is everybody pretending this is everybody? Here's one of those. Straight up drink Worcestershire sauce. It's so good. Like I, it's so good. I this is not gay people, you guys. I just want to. I just feel like I need to say that this is not what gay people. It's this is at Paris Pride. It says had so much fun at Paris Pride with some person and my little princess baby, whatever. Now it's three grown men or women, whatever you want to call them, half naked, dressed as babies. Now we already talked about this. This oh, this does end up in the autogynophilia thing, which would suggest that they're sexually attracted to young. Children. That's what that's supposed to suggest. Maybe not necessarily everyone, but this is a, a, a fetish that largely overlaps with this community, as scientifically shown. We've talked about it already, and that is what that's supposed to suggest. Either way, the point this person is making is why at this Pride Festival is this supposed to represent these people? And it's weird that that keeps getting, but not even just by us, you understand. People that are promoting this show, they're showing this. I'll just let him explain. I just want to, I just feel like I need to say that this is not what gay people, it's, this is at Paris Pride. So the craziness of pride is not just an American thing. Okay. It's happening everywhere. And I feel like it's necessary for me to say this because I am gay and there are people out there that don't know many gay people then see this and think that we all want to wear dirty diapers and flash our man titties. Now, if you want to dress up like a baby and walk in public, that's fine. I will judge you, but that's fine. You should have the freedom to do it. However, if you're going to put my sexuality in the same alphabet as this type of behavior, 
I'm gonna have to say something about it. This may be controversial of me to say, but not everything society rejects has to be accepted. I understand that at one point, gay people were not accepted in society, but just because that's true does not mean that we have to normalize this behavior. The sad part is, is that these individuals are probably not even gay, yet they're at pride giving gay people a bad name. I Good video. I agree. I, I invited him on for Niebuhr, actually. I think, you know, it's, this, this is an important statement. That there, that people, it takes a lot of courage to do that. You know that. He, I guarantee, is being called a transphobe right now, being attacked. And he's right. Right? I just think it's interesting that this is something that, you know, that it takes courage, whether or not you think he's right, to say something that is contentious at a time when it's, you're going to get attacked for it. Right? That's important. This person also adds, my conservative gay friend has said for years regarding this whole, this whole discussion, trans pride, whatever. He says, quote, this is an important statement. Imagine if the media and politicians were promoting the most deranged freaks from your group as a norm while claiming they support you. It feels like sabotage. Now, you can disagree with the statement, but I think that is something to consider. I, I agree with that, actually. This is what I talked about with, with, on AM Wake Up today with the Tate conversation. It's like we're, we're being, they're raising up what they want you to think these things are, right? That he somehow represents all of the right. That's not true. Frankly, I think that most people see through the facade that is Andrew Tate. But the point is that ultimately we're being framed on either side. So we end up being divided. And the aggressive pundits on either side, the leading people on Twitter and whatever else, they don't care about the truth for most of the case, I think. I think they, that's why you see them ignore things that expose the right and push the left and blah, 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 because they're lost in the paradigm. They care about maintaining the structure. The reality is we're being lied to. I think we can all see that by now. Robbie Starbuck points out that this is, uh, if you, basically Barack Obama put this out saying, today some of the books that shape my life and the lives of so many others are being challenged by people who disagree with certain ideas or perspectives. And he makes a whole point in here about the LGBT. He's talking about these books that were the banned books and all these. Well, there's plenty of them, I would argue, that maybe you, you may think shouldn't be. Or I'm just saying that as a general point. Like, I haven't seen all these books, but I've seen more than enough of them that are banned, that are explicitly sexual. And not just sexual, but crude and, and forceful. And what he said here is, if you'll sit down and actually read one of the books that have been banned and then defend making it available to kids, I'll do you the favor of running ads all over the country to let people know. The point is that he won't because here's what they're ultimately talking about. Well, here's one of these books, not the same one, but we've actually already shown you this one. It's exactly the same thing. It gets into all sorts of explicit things like anal sex and fellatio, and, and it just it's not about education. It's about pushing sexuality on children that can be, who cannot understand what they're seeing. And that, that, caught, that will lead to deviancies. I don't mean that in the sense of like, you know, abusing people could but i mean in the sense where maybe let's put it this way deviations right the point that ultimately that when children are exposed to things like this it can affect the way that they view the world and the way that they grow up sexually especially when you know that the, the old statement right hurt people hurt people right so when a kid gets abused it's it's usually a good guess that they might end up being potentially susceptible to abusing others so my point is if you push some like graphically a, a sexual content in a child that scars them it could do something similar. Maybe that's the point. Here's one of these books. As you can see, it goes over. Welcome to sex. It's for teaching children, right? This is one of these books we've seen. And the point is you can see all sorts of inappropriate things like scissoring. Why, why, why are you teaching? Like the point is it's not about sexual positions and it's about anatomy. It always has been, except now. The low down on anal sex. Really? 
right? I mean, this hand jobs, masturbation. It's wrong, guys. This is about sexualization, and that's inappropriate at at very least. And let's not forget, we've covered this in April. The UN put a document out before this, actually, that okay is consensual sex with minors. You can read it. It's as plain as day. I went over it on the show. Of course, the WHO also just so happened to have a document put out that okay is sex, the sexualization of children. And it's all in the guise of, of equality for the trans move. It's, there's a problem here. Now, let's talk about that. You can decide for yourself where this leaves you, but I want to make it clear that there is, whether it's because there are predators leaning into this because they know that it gives them cover or because there's already an overlap to the people in this community, you can decide for yourself. But the facts are undeniable that this is, to some degree, I think a large degree, happening right now. Even to the point that you have corporate media going, it's happening and there are people abusing this. And I'll show you that from the Telegraph. This one is from... 2016, we're going to start and we're going to go in chronological order. There's plenty, like, quite, I literally pulled off countless examples. I don't know, I should say literally countless, but the point is I pulled off probably 10 other examples because I just, it was, t- the, the show was going to be too long. But the point is, I could have gone on forever in this regard. 2016, largest transgender survey ever in the U.S. reveals high rates of sexual assault, suicide, HIV, prostitution from Life, life Site News. You, you could read the study for yourself. This is one we've actually pointed to already. You can argue like the community does. That there's that's yeah, not done right, and there's overlaps. And okay, sure, maybe that, maybe that's fine. Maybe that's possible. We're going to get into the newer studies that show the same thing, though. But this is from Inforum and uh, uh, North North Dakota, I think. ND. Yeah, North Dakota sex offender who is transgender, charged after trying to visit teachers at the Dakota Boys and Girls Ranch. 27-year-old, high-risk registered high-risk registered sex offender, transgender. So right, right there, in the, just so it's clear, the fact that there are, trans, there are sex offenders who are transgender is a problem, right? Because you're saying, well, transgender should be able to go in the bathroom they want. Well, you're not asking them before they go in whether they're sex offenders, are you? The argument is that this overlap is not even real. I mean, that, that overlap is real with any grouping of people. You will find... a deviant pretty much if you put a large group of people anywhere you're going to be able to find some murderers in there some deviants it doesn't matter whether trans or white or black or that's the case of reality but somehow in this weird world right now it's not even possible with this conversation but he's saying they went to uh, to dakota boys boys and girls ranch and has been charged with a class a misdemeanor for trying to visit these teachers and here's why and we're starting and this is a small case the person is listed as a male on North Dakota, North Dakota sex offenders registry, but female pronouns and female given name are used in the probable case affidavit filed with the court, which one of these articles makes a point about this. Even that in and of itself causes more delusion, like it dilutes the idea. Is this the man? Is it, is it a man? Is it, is it Briner? Is it Riley? Are they the same person when, when there's police investigating? Like, you see my point? We already have examples of sex offenders who are not even being told. Their neighbors aren't being told because they're trans, identifying as a different name. And you, are you going to pretend like that wouldn't be abused by predators? Like, so they wouldn't have to do that? We know it already is. This person is currently transitioning from male to female, according to a probable case affidavit filed with the court. This person petitioned for a legal name change to Riley, but a judge denied the petition. There is a presumption under state law that a convicted felon should not be allowed to change his name unless it's been proven that it will defraud or mislead the public. And that's largely why this is happening. At the time of the petition, he was committed to a state hospital as a sexually dangerous individual. According to the court documents on the char- of, the, of the sex offender charge, 
He arrived at the, the Boys and Girls Ranch. The school principal called the police to report her concern about him being on the campus around minor students. Right there. So the point is that this person clearly went there and then was mingling. You are a sex offender for children. And you go and you start mingling with the children. This is why they called the police. The point is that this happened. Minimal case, too, but it's going to get worse as we go forward. 2018. Now, we even talked about this one already. Karen White. But there's more to this story. This person pretends to be a woman and ended up being put in a women's prison. Can you guess what happened after that? I bet you can. Yet in the case of Karen White, who is legally still a man, so no no surgery, nothing changed, but was put on a female-only prison, because that makes sense, right? Both sides of the transgender rights debate are united in the belief mistakes were made. Oh, well, then we feel better. Does the rape, well, I let the story out of the bag, do the rape women feel better? Because you went, oh, we made made a boo-boo. Despite dressing as a woman, the 52-year-old Man had not undergone any surgery and was still legally a man. She was all he was also. Look at see. I mean, you're talking about a convicted rapist pedophile, and you and you care to call the. I mean, this man was also a convicted pedophile, and on and on remand for grievous bodily harm, burglary, multiple rapes, and other sexual offenses against women. But somehow, in this broken reality, that was that some judge was like, okay, put it in a woman's prison. A man who has raped women who puts a wig on, yeah, go into women's prison. That works out, right? This is what happens when you break reality with this kind of political agenda. In September last year, she was he was transferred to a New Hall prison in West Yorkshire. During a three-month period at a female prison, this man sexually assaulted two other women. The decision to move White to a women's prison was made public after he admitted in court to sexually assaulting and multiple rapes committed before he went to prison. Those who met White were shocked that he was moved to a female prison, describing the convicted sex offender as manipulative and controlling, and questioned the confinement and the person's transition, and suggesting that it was done to cover the crimes and to hide what was he was doing. The Ministry of Justice has since apologized for the placement. All right, did the raped women feel better? Why would you do that in the first place? There's only one answer, politics, that's it. I mean, who, who the hell cares about honoring this person's identity when it's a rapist pedophile? And on top of that, when you know that at the very least, that could be opening the door to more. Uh, and there it goes. It happened already. Too late. These people are ridiculous. For now, White is being held at a prison in Leeds for men, but is undergoing reassignment surgery. The point is they are arguing that they wonder whether this is real. That's probably just to cement that point. Jeremy Ann Bishop from the transgender rights group Transforum said a local transgender case board made up of prison managers and psychologists decides where to place prisoners, such as White within three days of a prisoner being taken into custody. Now, the board allows the prisoner to make representations and considers any risks and whether the individual has been living in a gender which, with which they identify. I quite frankly argue whether this should even matter with somebody that has done the kind of things that they have. Like, it's interesting how somebody's in jail for cannabis and they argue, you know, that their rights shouldn't matter or they're a criminal. But in this case, we suddenly care about transgender rights, even though you think about you see my point. There's so many contradictions. It makes my teeth hurt. If this board's decision is challenged, the local review board reconsiders the evidence. Finally, a, compl- a complex case board can set up be handling these cases involved with 21 and under and so on. But it says it's believed the decision to place white in a woman's prison was made only after the first level. You see how this works? So Transform was like, they just forgot their own process. One quick discussion. Yep, trans, you're trans, go, you're right. Okay, we, we honor your belief of what your gender is. 
That's how this has been working in any other context we've looked at, right? It is believed that decision took place in the first meeting, despite the other two that were supposed to take place. Bishop says the board should have taken into account that this was a rapist pedophile, but failed to do so. Sure. Oops. I guess we missed all that. Hard to believe. This is who you're looking at. This rapist pedophile put a wig on and goes to jail to rape women. That's real. She, quote, she would report, he would report people for a hate crime if they stumbled over which name to use. You see where this goes? So just so it's clear, this person is not real. This is a man who is pretending as everybody is called out, as you can read the article, and then ended raping women. That was the whole point. Now, before that happened in the different homes and different things, this person was going out of his way to make, you know, they they called him, literally called the police and, and reported a hate crime. You know why? Because this makes it look, people will back away. This, oh, it's a trans person. This was before it even got crazy. Imagine right now. It was not a way to get yourself absorbed in the community. This person, it, was, it, it wouldn't compromise. White was living in a social housing complex in West Yorkshire. Residents over there, over a three-year period, said he presided over a reign of terror, physically and verbally abusing others with some residents having to move away. All wanted to remain, remain anonymous, even today, for, for feels of reprisal. This is, a, this is a violent pedophile that was put in place with women. And this was all known. This is prior. Nobody cared. The final straw came when White repeatedly stabbed an elderly man, a resident at this home, claiming the pensioner had sexually assaulted him. The man said, quote, she just went for me. It was completely out of the blue. I still feel scared in my own home. And that is the person they put in a prison with women. That's 2018. Let's go to 2018. 21. This is the one that I think is most important. Indecent exposure charges filed against a trans woman over L.A. spa incident. So 2021 is where it starts, right? Prosecutors filed multiple counts of indecent exposure this week against a transgender woman who, whose alleged conduct was at the center of the viral video that sparked a pair of violent protests outside a spa in Westlake this summer. According to court records and a person with knowledge of the investigation, now, just, just, just so you know, we're going to get to the what the conclusion in the next article in 2022. Dar- this, I'll see, this was actually gone, I think. Yeah, so the video itself has been removed. Here's the link in case you guys want to try to find it. Well, I think we, I think we showed this when it first came out. Basically, the woman was going, I can't believe it. This man's in here with a penis. And everybody, everybody attacked her. The woman and the child who called it out. Just like the three other examples at YMCA's around the country that are telling young children, young girls, that they're bigots for being traumatized by a man with a penis in their shower. As we see these things happening, think about that. Now, it goes on to say, Darren Aggie Murager, Murager was charged Monday with five counts of indecent exposure relating to an incident that took place in July 24th, according to court records. The listed violation date is the same day as the viral video emerged, emerged alleging a customer has exposed their penis in front of people inside the spa. Now, attempts to contact uh, Murager were not immediately successful, though he denied all wrongdoing in an interview with the New York Post. So just that's, that's important. He went on the record and went around and was like, they're lying about me. I'm being accused of transphobia, which the New York Post first reported the charges. Murager told the tabloid that he is legally female and claimed that those making complaints to police were engaging in transphobic harassment. So I already told you the reality. This person's guilty. So realize that at this moment, he, this person was knowingly abusing the fervor. 
trying to use the fact that most people would be scared to push. And, and it actually worked for a year, even though this was a dangerous, aggressive predator that preyed on women and, and, and was exposing himself to women. Went around, did the rounds, went on shows. Antifa defended him. New York Post was like, yeah, he says he's not guilty. It was all transphobic. Merger was also charged with seven counts of indecent exposure before this, though. Right? So we're going, no, it was all a lie. But he was, in 2019, guilty. And his trial on those allegations began in July, according to court records. He was also convicted of a misdemeanor, indecent exposure, all the way back in 2003. But it's all lies, though, today. According to the source with knowledge of the investigation, who said that Merger's criminal record is why... Prosecutors brought the charges against him this week. So he's, mis- he's, he's just recovering, a, a recovering problem, a, a predator, right? Yes, those are real, but I'm better now. And now they're all there. They're profiling me and using it today. Two different times on the record for exposing himself to women. And yet this was fake. That's what they were pushing. After the video went viral, the spa became the target of right-wing demonstrations, which many chided as transphobic after extremist groups like the Proud Boys glommed on to the event. Now, yeah, maybe you could argue that, or maybe you argue these people that were like, this is a problem, we stand up for what's right. Or maybe somewhere in the middle. But the aggressive way to argue anything, the Proud Boys, right-wing, so it's just, it doesn't matter, this is a pedophile? In the fallout, a pair of protests against the spa quickly devolved into bedlam against breast and injuries. An independent journalist was struck in the head with a bat at one of these rallies. Can you guess which side? At a fringe candidate and a fringe candidate in the race to call Governor Gavin Newsom allegedly drove the assailant away from the scene. There you go. So not only is the side promoting this pedophile willing to use violence against the other protesters despite anything else, one of these political people that were involved with some level of politics with Gavin Newsom, drove the violent attacker to freedom. Because <laughs> that's how this works, right? Violence is okay as long as it's against the bad guy Nazis, right? Though the woman who filmed the video has remained anonymous, she said during an interview that she was stunned and traumatized that when she saw a person with a penis in a female area of the spa, the woman declined to give her name because she had been receiving death threats. You know, because that's how that works, right? She exposes a pedophile and the people defending that pedophile a threat in her life. Because that's intolerant, right? But chose to appear at the news conference in a bid to seek changes to California's civil rights law, which forbids businesses from discriminating against gender identity or gender expression, added in 2011. Right, so basically a, a, a bill that allows pedophiles to abuse the situation. She posted a lengthy video on her Instagram addressing haters who accused her of faking the video. All right, let's jump forward to 2022. How do you think it turns out? Transgender pervert, in quotes, is arrested 15 months after he exposed, still calling him she, by the way, exposed himself to women with a penis, but she, right? Even Delhi Mail, for crying out loud, and girls at the Wee Spa in LA, triggering violent protests from Antifa goons who branded allegations a bigoted hoax. You know, just put it right up there next to Jesse Smollett. Same person, Darren Aggie Murager, 53. There he is right there. This guy is a creep. A transgender person, or, I mean, really, you could argue just a man pretending to be transgender to get away with his pedophilia. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. It's wanted for exposing his naked, half-erect penis to women. That's pretty clear. That's not what they framed it as. In two separate changing rooms, right? So it wasn't like, oh, you caught me as I'm changing. This person was going around and exposing himself to women in the different rooms. 
All of this was easily accessible, and yet, nonetheless, the movement defended him for a year. Then, of course, he went on the run for 15 months, because that's what you do when you're just being accused of trans, or, you know, it's transphobia, right? The suspect, 53-year-old Darren Aji Marager, had been charged with five felony counts of indecent exposure, five, for the incidents, including an infamous altercation at the White Spa. But understand, it's different places where Rager exposed himself to several women, including an underage girl. Rager, a convicted sex criminal who, before this, who identifies as a woman, had previously rebuffed the allegations claiming to be a victim of transphobia. The story was then... The story was then, for months, swept under the rug by the mainstream media. Now, look, if they had cared to do the due diligence as a journalist showed, the league would have been able to suss this out. Either they did that and then decided, oh, we don't want to say this out loud and put it away, or just towed the line because they didn't care. This is the level of corporate media. For months, swept under the rug, including the leftist radical group Antifa, defending this person personally. The incident spawned months, pro months of protest, many of them violent. All while Marager's previous sex crimes continued to come to light. Eventually, Marager was unmasked as a registered sex offender, convicted for similar incidents in those in 2002 and 2003. Also unearthed was a warrant for his the, the sex uh, the, the sex predator's arrest for a separate a separate locker room incident back in 2018, and a laundry list of offenses stretching nearly two decades. Other things, too. Trespass, burglary. Now ask yourself this. How many people were abused by this man between 2021 and 2022 because you guys were too cowardly to do your jobs? Think about that. And are we going to pretend like this can't happen right now? Of course it can. It's the same thing. It's worse today than it was then. I think that was it on this one. So one case shows enough, but there's plenty more. This person abused the transgender movement so he could get closer to the people he wanted to abuse. Are we going to pretend that won't happen with kids? That's what I'm most worried about. This is a this this kind of for me is 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 right up there with the conversation of uh, this this person or no this one. The idea that this person was allowed to go to a women's prison despite being a rapist and a pedophile is unbelievable. This is almost as crazy. An adult. An adult who, while that adult was 17, sexually assaulted a child, got sentenced as an adult to a juvenile facility. Make sense of this. Like, this is the kind of thing that makes you go, okay, this can't just be an act. Like, this just makes sense. This, this is almost like it's proving that there's some effort to cross these sexual lines. I mean, look at what it says here. This is 2022. A 26-year-old transgender woman. So a man. Who, at 17, a man who sexually assaulted a child will serve a two-year sentence in a juvenile facility rather than a jail for adults. Okay, so a person who, whether it was a minor at the time or not, was clearly a pedophile or leaning that direction, was sexually assaulting a child, even though he's now 26, is being put in a hospital with other children. Or a prison, excuse me. I mean, how do you make sense of that? If this person is susceptible to abusing children, why would you put him in a place where that's possible? Why, just because he was a child when this happened? Or an adolescent? Like, that doesn't even make logical sense to me, other than something very creepy. The case of Hannah Tubbs, 
who has admitted sexually assaulting a 10-year-old girl. And in 2014, in guess what, guys? A bathroom in Denny's restaurant. Because that doesn't happen ever, right? Has thrown a spotlight on Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascon's refusal to seek the transfer of juvenile defendants to court, adult court. An adult. How is it even legally possible to put an adult in a juvenile center? Gascon has argued that the brains of juveniles aren't fully developed, okay, and that the proper setting to rehabilitate people who commit crimes while underage is a juvenile facility. That is some broken logic. Okay, so your brain is not developed as a juvenile, which, by the way, is the same thing we're arguing for why these children shouldn't be allowed to go through trans transgender treatment. Whatever. Who cares? It only applies in one side, right? Logic, right? But fine. Your brain's not ready. You're, you're a child. And then you, if you got caught when you were a child, that would make sense. But yet then you've grown up into an adult. So the argument that you should be rehabilitated as a juvenile because you're committed the crime as a juvenile, like, I don't even, who takes that seriously? This judge and these people should be, they, this, they shouldn't have a job. This is not logic. This is agenda to me. I don't know how to see it another way. It says, although Tubbs committed the sexual assault against a 10-year-old girl in 2014, he was not arrested and charged with the crime until January 2021 when this person was in office, Gascon. In the interim, he had been arrested for battery, drug possession, probation violations in Idaho, Washington, so he's a criminal, and convicted of assault with a deadly weapon. He was also arrested on suspicion of sexually assaulting another minor, but of course wasn't prosecuted for the alleged offense according to court records. Sure, something else is going on here. He also expressed concern that as a transgender woman, Tubbs could be victimized in a jail for adults. Oh, so we care about his being victimization, him being victimized, but not the children? That makes sense. In a youth facility, he said, she could receive treatment and therapy. So now we're letting the pedophile dictate where he gets to go because he feels better about it? I mean, guys, this is just like we're living in some kind of bizarro world. I can't even wrap my mind around how anybody can make sense of this unless you're a disgusting person or you're pushing some kind of political agenda. Am I wrong? I mean, this is blowing me away. It says, outside the courtroom, Deputy District Attorney Shea Sana, who had supported the, the probation department's request to house Tubbs in a county jail, said he wanted him placed in an adult facility. Why? Well, so he would not be around impressionable children. Yeah, what do you think? Maybe so he won't be around potential victims. It doesn't. The point is, they say he will he'll be in a isolated area, but you will still, in some cases, have to cross paths with children. Isn't that exactly what he wants? "Quote: You have a violent child sexual predator who's been sentenced to two years in a juvenile facility." As a prosecutor, he added, "I'm not here to protect child molesters. At least somebody can call this out. How is a judge making sense of this?" Santa said that because Tubbs was underage when he sexually assaulted the girl, that he would not be required to register as a sex offender. Great! Fantastic! So now, not only does he not have to be registered as a sex offender, but he's going to a place where he could potentially victimize more children. Fantastic! Everything's working out just as it's supposed to, right? I just don't even understand this. Let's go to 20... Oh, this is 2022, and we're going to take a quick step into the prison discussion. Transgender Rikers inmate. Sentenced for seven years for raping a female prisoner. Gee, shocking. How does that work? Well, because they put a male in a female prison. What do you think is going to happen? This. A transgender Rikers inmate raped a female prisoner while in the woman's section of the jail and has been sentenced to seven years. Ramel Blout, 
who goes by Diamond Blout, pleaded guilty to attempted rape. Investigators said Blout, who was housed in the female section of the facility, which is ridiculous, approached a 33-year-old female inmate in the bathroom, because that never happens, right? After the victim finished showering. Blout held the victim down by the back of the neck and raped her. The victim reported the incident to the jail officials, and a rape kit was administered, and blah, okay. And then was going right back to normal, right? This is not even being allowed to be discussed. Oli London points out another example. Same thing. Pedophile and rapist who sexually abused his own daughter has been released five years early from his 15-year prison sentence. Why? Well, because he now identifies as trans. See how this is working? Clive Bundy, who now goes by the name Claire Fox, distributed images of the abuse he inflicted on his own underage child to other pedophiles online over a nine-year period. He has now been handed a new laptop, furniture for his house, by a charity, SSAFA, which supports ex-prisoners. His daughter has spoken of her horror and fear of his release, saying he is a risk to young girls. Yeah, obviously. They don't care about that. Quote, the fact he is now dressed as a woman makes him more dangerous as young girls are his thing, and he has never shown any remorse. My father is a highly manipulative man who has attended no sexual offender rehabilitation programs, shows no remorse for what he has done, and openly admits finding children attractive. This is the reality that this person has been released from prison because he decided he's a woman. Didn't do anything, just wears a wig, that's it. See how that works? Do you think this person is not going, I get it, I see what's going on, I'm now a woman. Great. Now you can go back out. This is unbelievable to me. Here is the article. Daughter's fury as pedophile father who abused and shared images of her with other sick perverts online before changing gender in prison is quietly released. That was two days ago. This was reported anyway. A pedophile who changed gender while in prison for sexually abusing her own daughter, his own daughter. God, God dang it. That makes me mad. I can't believe that they can't. Even of all, it's a right-wing platform for that matter. A pedophile who changed gender while in prison for sexually abusing his own daughter as a child, you know, especially since we can prove that he's not even really caring about this, just doing it so he can get away with pedophilia. Why do you respect this person's, it's just ridiculous, for abusing his own daughter as a child and sending explicit photos of them to other people online? Claire Fox, who's what he calls himself, 61, previously Clive Bundy, a father of six, served just seven years of a 15-year sentence now is settling into a tiny market town on the Welsh borders. Fox, who wears a blue, a black wig and floral dresses, told neighbors who knew nothing of his past, how do you explain that, that, sh- that he was an electrician from Bangor, and he, they helped him get settled into his new surroundings and helped him furnish this flat. How is it possible that he wasn't demand that he didn't have to go tell them, I'm a sexual predator? Why? Because he's trans. He's a new person now, right? How does this make sense? The release from prison has appalled his daughter, who bravely waived her right to anonymity, having been abused by him for nine years from the age of eight. Revealing her astonishment, he says, she says, quote, my father is not a woman, and I refuse to recognize him as such. His change is gender in, his gender in prison to make his life easier there. Here she is. It says... By, but now he's out and already up to his usual tricks, conning everyone he meets. The fact he is now dressed as a woman makes him more dangerous, like she just read before, because that's he's never shown any remorse, and girls are his thing. 
My father is a highly manipulative man who has attended no sexual offender rehabilitation programs, show no remorse, openly admits finding children attractive. There have been no the, he, there have been no meetings I'm aware of to tell local schools about his presence. He has no tag, no curfew. He's just been put in this community and given all he could wish for, food, furniture, a home. Think about this. Why? Just because he decided he was trans. Quote, I am in no way transphobic, she says, and I feel incredibly sorry for people who genuinely need transition. They face stigma, and worse, because of cases like this. That's how the trans community should be calling this. These people are abusing this, that they're not doing that. Quote, but it should just not be an option for those convicted of sexual offenses against children to suddenly say that they want to be a woman. I agree with that. Quote, this only arose at the end of 2021 when he was due to be moved to an open prison, but then had a fight with a fellow prisoner that was serious enough to stop the move. It seems he was worried about going to this new place. Quote, that is when he went for the gender change, when he was almost 60, having been a macho man his entire life and having eight children and having never mentioned gender dysphoria before. Quote, now he is being indulged by everyone. The prison service gave him makeup, women's clothes. Now a charity for the armed forces had provided him with, a, with so much stuff when he, all he did was a short stint in his 20s. It's, it's just, it's, this whole system is being turned on its head to promote the worst of society. And I don't mean the average trans person. Here is the U.S. transgender sex offender and drag queen charged after teaching dance to children. March 9th, 2023. This is one of the issues that I'm focusing on the most. I'm not saying we, every person reading the children's a problem, but we know this is happening and there are predators and pedophiles that are trying to get in this position. A registered sex offender has been charged after police learned that he had been teaching dance to children in violation of his conditions. What else do we call that? A predator using trans identity to get closer to children. Dwight Evan, you could even argue using his real identity to get rid of whatever. The point is he's using this to get close to children. A lifetime registrant of the Wisconsin Sex Offender Registry appeared in court on Monday referred to Chislam with she, her pronouns, and stated he was facing one count of working with children as a child sex offender and two counts of bail jumping, according to the Brown County Inmate Directory. He is specifically being held on charges of, quote, intentionally photographing a minor without consent. This guy's a predator. Chislam, who is a transgender drag queen, known by none other than Snow White. You know Why? I think you know why, was initially convicted in 2011 on charges of sexually assaulting a child and sentenced to three years in prison. That's why. It says Chislam operates two Facebook profiles under the name Snow White, where he can be seen advertising his dance classes for boys, girls as young as not as six years old. The promotional age contains photos of young girls or image, excuse me, promotional image of young girls doing suggestive poses. On both profiles, Chislam has posted videos of children performing drag. You can't miss this, guys. One video shared by the sex offender features a 13-year-old boy who was recently discovered to have performed at a party that was sponsored by an app designed for adult gay men seeking sex called Jacked. The child, Kingston Wells, who you may have heard of, performs under the name Allie Mark Jacobs and is being mentored by a gay porn model. Wells has sparked controversy on social media for frequently performing in adult venues, which apparently doesn't matter as long as you argue you're in this community. If you try to pretend like a young 13-year-old girl could be stripping in front of men at a strip club, then you're ridiculous because it wouldn't. People would go to jail. But this matters okay, though, as long as you use this word. 
On TikTok, Chislam posts videos of himself that are mainly centered around his drag shows, which he both organizes and participates in, as well as his trans activism. Okay, so if you're going to pretend that this person with drag shows and all these overlaps is not possibly going to end up in front of children when he's literally seeking that out, then you're lying to yourself. This is a problem, and it's part of this conversation that needs to be had. Scotland, July, this was yesterday it was posted. Non-binary man found guilty of indecent assault of a minor given no jail time. Not even the first time. A 32-year-old non-binary man so I guess it doesn't even, you can still be a man as long as you just say non-binary that gets you out of, out, of the, out of hot water, apparently, has been convicted of charges relating to the repeated sexual abuse of a 15-year-old boy that began in 2010. The victim was just 15, a minor at the time the crimes began. While Lucas Cole, or Oliver James Bond, as he is now known, was 20, Bond sexually assaulted the minor three times over a six-year period. During the first assault, Bond, quote, sexually attacked the boy while he was sleeping. The youth woke up to Bond's penis in his mouth. Excuse the crudity. During the second attack, Bond grabbed the victim's genitals and overpowered him. He then pulled down his pants and performed a sex act on him. And during the third assault, Bond once again assaulted the victim while he was sleeping. Bond was convicted on all charges. By some magic of the current narrative, though, he won't face any time in prison, despite being a repeat offender before this even. In 2018, Bond was convicted of sexually assaulting an intoxicated transgender man. After the incident, Bond changed his own gender identity to non-binary. You see, they start picking this up. I get it. So I can get away with this if I start playing this game. In 2018, Bond was found guilty of sexually abusing a trans-identified male in Perth while the victim was intoxicated and could not consent. The court heard that the victim had been sleeping and awoke to find Bond, then known as Lucas Cole, carrying out a sex act on him. Following his 2018 conviction, Bond was handed no jail time and instead ordered to carry out 200 hours of unpaid work. Think about that. But despite acknowledging that the matter was serious and stating that Bond did not seem to fully grasp the consequences of his criminal behavior, Sheriff Hall spared him time anyway. Quote, with some hesitation, oh, then, then we're okay then, right? Well, with some hesitation, I'm going to allow you to remain at liberty. You were convicted by the jury of all three charges. Make sense of it for me. Are you going to pretend like that this was just a non, a regular, not not a, a non-trans person? That this, how would he, this is crazy. So apparently, if you have this tag, you get treated differently. I think we all see that. Bond will not serve any jail time again. More than once, this has happened. Here's what he, here's what she looks like, apparently, or whatever non-binary. That that's the pedophile right there. That is the sexual abuser who is serving no time after multiple repeated sexual offenses because non-binary. Now, the last thing I want to point out is that there is an obvious statistical and scientific point to this. Other than the simple fact that it's clearly part of it, to whatever degree, we have to talk about that. This is in 2018 from BBC. How many transgender inmates are there? Well, the point is they talk about this as some sort of a yeah, almost as if they're trying to debunk this argument because there's a study come out, came out th- then and again in 2022 showing you that there's a very high level of, of incidence of sexual offenders in people that are transgender in prison, more so than straight people. That, man, that means something. But what they said is claim. The campaign group Fair Play for Women claimed that 41% of the transgender women in prison are convicted of sex offenders, convicted sex offenders. But it goes, uh, a government survey 
has counted 125 transgender prisoners. And basically they just say, well, there's 125. And the MOJ says 60 of them have been convicted, but it didn't identify their gender. I don't know why that even matters. There are likely to be more trans inmates on shorter sentences who are less likely to be sex offenders. Great debunk. So everything's true, except there might be more of them, and they, maybe, they, maybe they're not sex offenders. <laughs> that doesn't debunk anything, really. It just adds that there's possibly more, quite frankly. But my point is this is a real thing. This goes brings us to 2023. The Daily Wire, sure, you can dismiss it because you don't like the platform. It's a study. We'll show you. Nine in ten trans women, as I've already shown you this post, actually, in Canada's prisons are violent. That's in their own study, but nearly half of them are convicted of sex crimes. Here's the study itself, directly from Canada's. Uh, we actually went over this in a, in, the, in a bigger study of this in a previous show. But the point is you can go through this for yourself, and the stats are very clear. It breaks down in different categories of different types, and the reality is that pretty much half of the offenders that are in prison are sex offenders. And here is what the Telegraph is telling you is happening. It's not true because the Telegraph says so. It's true because it's happening. They're just clearly being forced to cover it because it's that obvious. Male sex offenders faking trans identities to move to women's prisons. This was posted eight days ago. Fake news though, right? Jailed male sex offenders are faking transgender identities in an effort to move to women-only prisons. Research backed by the Ministry of Justice suggests. Now, it's not just prisons. They're doing this to get closer to children. They're doing this to get closer to young girls. They're doing this to do, get closer to whatever they want to, or to cover up their previous crimes, or to hide their name, or to... All of this is happening. To what degree is that for you to decide? But we can't pretend it's not happening. Inmates who pretended to be transitioning saw it as a way to lower their risk and to try to secure a place in a female prison estate, according to the evidence unearthed by the Inside Time, the prisoner's newspaper. It says the figures show that men jailed for sexual offenses are twice as likely to identify as trans women than men jailed for other types of offenses. Okay, so for those that so far, and going back to 2018, or even the new Daily Wire, where this, oh, fake news, it's not, you're misrepresenting it. Well, then go talk to the left-wing paper, The Telegraph, who says the exact same thing and cites the same evidence. They are twice as likely, because that's what the stats show us. The MOJ has introduced tougher rules following the controversy in Scotland over the decision to send Isla Bryson, a transgender convict who was found guilty of raping two women before transitioning to an all-female prison. Well, you clearly know how this is going to work out. We just showed you. What do you mean controversy? You are allowing a person who is seeking out women to rape to end up in a place where they can be in showers and places with women. I mean, it's just absolute ignorance. Willful ignorance to make to allow this to happen. It's not just irresponsible. It's it's. I mean, I don't I, I, I want to call it nefarious, sinister, but you can argue these people are just lying to themselves or don't see it, but I find it hard to believe. Some sex offenders, it says, used to say they were transgender as they believed it lowered risk and made them exempt from courses. It's all about the benefits it gives them, and also in the hope that they would be placed in female estate. It is just unfortunate that people jump on the transgender bandwagon for personal gain. It makes genuine people look bad. One last point on this. Before we finish with two things, this is just this is not even about transgender. This is from today. Man convicted of human trafficking of children is living in Ontario Children's Center. Police understand the story. He's still there. They're not taking him away. They're just going, well, he's there. Make sure everybody knows. But he has rights. That's just, that's really what's happening. A man who's been convicted of child trafficking of children is living at a center offering services for children with autism. 
Why is that even allowed? Prompting the, the police to put out a note, a community safety advisory. Ontario Provincial Police issued an advisory warning, hey, children, there's a sex offender around. Be careful. I mean, we're living in a cartoon, man. This is unbelievable. The bottom line is, yes, people, everybody's got rights. That's beyond question. But you don't have a right to sidle up next to the people that you might victimize. Find him another place to live. Why are you letting him choose to live in a place where he could potentially victimize the very victim of his choice? It's just unbelievable to me. It says Maloney's on top of the child, the, well, I guess same thing, convicted sex offender with several prior convictions, which included human trafficking of children. And it's a total of 16 criminal charges related to sex trafficking and sexual predatory actions towards a child, which put him on the sex offender registry. So not only is he, is he clearly an offender, but he's on the registry. Why is he legally allowed to be there? Maloney is not under any conditions relating to associating with young children. That's why. Okay, let me get this straight. A 16 charges of trafficking of children, sexually abusing children, do all sorts of different things that puts it on the sex offender registry. But apparently one of the stipulations is that he's, there's no conditions about whether he can go around children. Make sense of that. Members of the public are reminded that Maloney does present a risk that we're allowing to continue, apparently, he has rights that are guaranteed under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Well, yes, so does everybody. Quote, as such, the police will not, will act to protect these rights if they're infringed. So going so far as to say that we'll protect him if we try to remove him from a place where he is clearly getting ready to victimize children. I just can't even, this, this is the kind of stuff, this is why I keep telling you guys, this is affecting me. Doesn't mean I'm going to stop focusing on what's important, but this is hard to keep in your mind. There's something wrong here that I think we all are seeing right now. And to finish, Snopes, of all people, Snopes, fact check, 2019, did a convicted sex offender read to children at a Houston public library? Well, if you listen to the community, it's fake news, not happening. It's just not possible. This is vetted, and it's done right, and oh, okay. True. Albert Alfonso Gar Garza was convicted of sexually assaulting a boy in 2006 before taking part in Drag Queen Storytime in the Houston Public Library in 2017 and 2018. Because clearly they checked for this, right? Or even if you want to pretend that they now do, why didn't you first? Because you're not even thinking. Because people are being lied to and there are people that don't even care about what might happen. This, again, is undeniably possible. So it just has to be part of the conversation. And the fact that we're being like aggressively pushed away from it says everything I need to see. Now, we're going to finish with this video. Case Against Groomers post this. Start thinking of a reason why you support sterilizing and butchering children. Helen Joyce. I not have thought of is that there's a lot of people who can't move on on this and um, because that's the people who have transitioned their own children. So those people are going to be like, you know, the Japanese soldiers who were on Pacific Islands and didn't know the war was over. Right. They've got to fight forever. This is why this is another reason why this is the worst, worst, worst social contagion that we'll ever have experienced. A lot of people have done the worst thing that you could do, which is to harm their children irrevocably because of it. Those people will have to believe that they did the right thing for the rest of their lives, for their own sanity and for their own self-respect. So they'll still be fighting. And each one of those people destroys entire organizations and entire friendship groups. Like I've lost count of the number of times that somebody has said to me of a specific organization 
that has got turned upside down on this. Oh, the deputy director has a trans child or, you know, oh, the journalist on that paper who does special investigations has a trans child or whatever. The entire organization gets paralyzed by that one person. And it may not even be widely known at the organization that they have a trans child, but it will come out like people will have sort of said it quietly. And now you can't talk truth in front of that person. And, you know, you can't because what you're saying is you as a parent have done a truly like human rights abuse, yes, level of like- awful thing to your child that cannot be fixed. There are specific individuals who are really actively against women's rights here, and it's not known why they are, but I happen to know through the back channels that it's because they've trans their child. And so those people will do anything for the entire rest of their lives to destroy me and people like me, because people like me are a standing reproach to them. I don't want to be. I'm not talking directly to them. I don't spend my time bitching about them. But the fact is that just simply by saying we will never accept natal males in women's spaces. Well, it's their son that we're talking about. And they've told their son that he can get himself sterilised and destroy his his um, sexual function and women will accept him as a woman. And if we don't, there's no way back for them and their child. They've sold their child a bill of goods that they can't deliver on. And I'm the one who has to be bullied to try to force me to deliver on it. So, th- so those people are going to be the people who will keep this bloody movement going i'm sorry to say because they've everything to lose and it's a fight to the death as far as they're concerned it's really hard not to see the logic there now that does not mean that it's necessarily everybody feels that clearly but you must know that's part of this there are people that have like the daily mail article for example that just came out gosh darn it that just came out that says the, I forget the age of the child, but the child that committed suicide because he realized he made a mistake and couldn't go back. Not suicide because he couldn't be trans, but because he went through the process and regretted it. Now, that person right there is, is, is dealing with that, is dealing with the reality that they know that this was a mistake made. Right. And people like that will try to speak up. But the problem is the community is kind of circling the wagons and just pushing out anything of Everything we talked about today. Now, I don't see how anybody can see that as honest. I mean, you can't just pretend this isn't happening because what that will do by that, by doing that, you are willfully allowing predators to sidle up next to children, women to, to abuse people just so you can feel better about what you think this is. And that seems to be a hallmark of this whole thing. We need to allow children to be to be potentially put in danger so I can feel more like a woman. We need to allow these hormones and problematic things to translate so I can feel better about myself, put the risk on them, even though you're the parent. Everything about this seems to be focused very selfishly inward, and I think that says a lot about what this is. The bottom line is these children should not be subjected to what's happening. I think that's very clear. There's no long-term data. What it's doing is immediately hurting people as when you don't even know what the long-term outcome will be. How can we possibly allow this? So just help this get in front of people, as always. Just keep giving people information because there are people being hurt immediately, like right now in this situation, that at every moment there are pe- children being told they can do this, they can pick that, and then being given puberty blockers right now. And maybe they won't even wake up and find out there's a problem for a year for more than that. It's just, it's time to, to find the courage, guys. I know it's a highly contentious topic right now, but now is the most important time. Because like I said, once this tapers down and all the bigwigs in there step in and act like they discovered everything, it's already too late. It's already too late. We need to do something now. So stand up for what's right. I love you all. As always, question everything. 
Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.